the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. Back in Washington, D.C., Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM. The answer, good to have you along for the uh, afternoon ride today. It's a beautiful day in Washington, D.C. It's, uh, let's see, what's it saying the temperature is right now? Uh, we're looking at uh, 80, 90 degrees now. Uh, and uh, beautiful blue skies, although we're supposed to be seeing some rain um, I've understood that back home we're looking at uh, remnants of the hurricane that uh, came ashore a couple of days ago down on the Gulf Coast and supposed to be dr- uh, dropping some rain on us uh, today and tomorrow uh, in our area. So we'll just keep our eyes open about that. Got a full show for you today. Uh, Alice Stewart should be checking in with us hopefully here in a few moments. I just was notified she'd be com- calling in momentarily. Tom Del uh, Bacaro, uh, former California GOP chairman, will join us at uh, 2.35, and we'll talk about uh, all these tech giants except for Google uh, that were on Capitol Hill yesterday talking about why conservatives getting screwed over and uh, had the uh, CEO of Twitter saying, well, you know, our our algorithm uh, wasn't working so good and it was really screwed up and, you know, we're trying to still work that out. Have a sheriff from Massachusetts that's going to be with us. We have a Border Patrol agent that's from Fort Smith, Arkansas, who's going to join us today. That will happen at 3.30. 4 o'clock, Robert Spencer will be here the man who does uh, Jihad Watch. Uh, and then coming up at uh, 5 o'clock, uh, a woman from uh, Southern, I think Texarkana, if I'm not mistaken, will join us. Her son killed by an illegal uh, alien, and we'll be talking to her about that. And then uh, in our final half hour today, we're going to be joined by Diamond and Silk here on the Dave Ellswick Show. They've uh, been with us before. Uh, by phone this time going to be with us uh, doing their thing uh, here on uh, the Dave Ellswick show from DC I just got a news flash and let me give you this going to break a lot of women's hearts Uh, Burt Reynolds is dead Uh, he has passed away Uh, the word just came coming in that he is uh Legendary actor Burt Reynolds uh, has died. I'm looking, I'm trying to bring up the story now, trying to load it up. And it's taking a moment. We've got like 60 talk show hosts here, so everybody is trying to use the, the internet and as it slows everything down. But yes, he's, uh, he has passed away. I'll, I'll get more information. Uh, as uh, time goes on. Got about 10 minutes after 2 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, but that's all that we have right now is actor Burt Reynolds has died, according is to on the uh, phone. his agent. 
Hey, Russ, has uh, Alice gave it, given his call yet? Yeah, she's on the phone. She's on the phone, ready to talk to us. Hey, Alice, how you doing? Hi, hi, Dave. How are you? Welcome uh, to Washington. Yeah, it's my second home. What can I tell you? It's <laughs> it's been your second home for for quite a while. You are you are you in D.C. right now, or are you somewhere else? I'm in D.C. I just left CNN. I'm heading to uh, another meeting, but I was right down the street from you just a, a short time ago. Yeah, I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill watching uh, the circus go on there with Kavanaugh. Uh, you know, I've always said the Democrats are clowns, and they're in full makeup now. I'm, I'm you know, Booker and Harris and all of them. Yeah, I think Lindsey Graham said it best earlier when he said that, you know, some people say this is a circus. However, the difference is circuses are entertaining, and uh, you can bring your kids. <laughs> <laughs> this is not entertaining, and you can't let your kids watch this. So right. it's a slight difference. So were things a little bit calmer in, in the peanut gallery today, or did uh, the the Democrats have uh, all of their people there today to shout out and, and yell from the back? Today was a lot less than the last few days, uh, simply because there was enough excitement going on in the actual testimony. Uh, I sat in on some of the hearings uh, on Monday when the, when the things began, and there were a lot of protesters, and, uh, you know, every five minutes someone would jump up. And the, the interesting thing is that the protesters would stand up and scream about abortion and gun rights and, you know, the life issue in Roe v. Wade uh, when, you know, there's so much more to, to Judge Kavanaugh than those issues. He's a strict and, in, in, you know, interpret has a strict interpretation of the Constitution and, and has been a very fair judge. So uh, I think, you know, the, the screamers and the Democrats uh, are taking this a little bit too far. And, well, and obviously, Dave, part, part of part of the, the process is to to obstruct the process. And, you know, that they we're going to do this anyway and then when the last minute um, documents were presented to members of the of the panel then they used that as an excuse to, to try and drag this out but uh, this is inevitable this will happen and uh, they just need to go ahead and accept that so how long do you think this is going to take uh, Alice before we get over to the well of the Senate and, and we have the final vote it's hard to say. I, I do think that there's enough pressure on these um, red state Democrats that, to, to vote for it, and there's going to be tremendous pressure in, in the event that they don't. So, you know, it could be, I, I would imagine, the next few weeks that it makes it all the way over to the Senate for, for a full vote. But, you know, this, this, is, this is something that everyone knew that Donald Trump campaigned on having uh, – Scalia-like justices, and this is where we are, and Democrats are recognizing that elections have consequences. Yeah, that's that's what Lindsey, uh, was it Lindsey Graham who said you might want to try winning some elections, and uh, <laughs> that, you get to do this. Yeah, and, that, and that's the key, and I'll be honest, I mean, Dave, you, you know, I, Donald Trump is not my first, second, or third, or fourth choice for president, but when it got right down to it and he became our party's nominee, 
uh, I certainly supported him. And the main issue for me was the Supreme Court and making sure that we had uh, justices that would would protect uh, issues that are important to me. And I think there are a lot of people, in in my view, that may not especially like the president's tone and tenor, but they support his policies and his promise uh, on Scalia-like justices. Well, I got to tell you what, when you when you talk about the Democrats bringing up abortion, uh, that's their holy sacrament. So, of course, they're going to bring that up. That That's red meat to their base. So they're going to throw out the red meat as much as they can about that. Oh, sure. And, and you know, CNN, my, my employer had a really great uh, documentary on this week about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her life and road to the Supreme Court. And look, we all knew where she stood on these issues when she was going through the nomination yep. process, and that's that's the consequence of losing an election. So it, the shoe goes both ways. Uh, when Republicans win, then the president has the opportunity to pick justices that that he views will interpret the Constitution based on the principles that he espouses. Yeah, well. Here's for every, something for everybody to think about. In 2020, you'll vote for president again. Do you want Cory Booker or Camelia Harris in the White House making the decision who's going to take her, uh, you know, Ginsburg's position if uh, she happens uh, to be still alive at that time? I mean, let's face it, she's, she's elderly. There's a possibility she would pass before. I don't wish that on her. But it is a possibility, and uh, this president could make three, would that be incredible, three Supreme Court picks uh, in, in four that, years? That would be incredible. That, that would be amazing, and, and, that, and that is, you know, certainly another, uh, yet another reason for Republicans and conservatives to, to get out there and rally behind him uh, for, for 2020. And, and more importantly, you know, for the midterm elections, we need to make sure and, and yes. support our Republican candidates uh, there in Arkansas and, and across the country. Okay, so you tell me, Alice. Alice Stewart is our our, our guest here. Alice, of course, works up here in Washington D.C. She works with CNN. Uh, she works with uh, other folks as as well, and uh, she keeps her finger real close to the pulse of what's happening in D.C. Tell me what you think. I mean. I, I was reading the Hill newspaper yesterday, and they are verifiably giddy, thinking that the blue wave, the big tsunami is coming, and I just still don't buy it. What about you? I think it will be close in the House. Uh, you know, we, we still have a lot of time between now and Election Day, so. Uh, but I think it's, it's too early to tell. I mean, obviously, we're, we're good in the Senate, but all the House races, these are individual races, and the, I talked to the um, NRCC, the National Republican Congressional Committee, uh, all the time on a regular basis, and they're viewing every congressional race as an independent race, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. So that's why I don't buy the the blue wave uh, mm-hmm. conversation. So every single race is based on what issues are important to the people of that district. Like in Arkansas, you know, French Hill is, is looking at issues that are important to his his district. Same way that. Uh, Rick Crawford is, and and all of our uh, members of of Congress that are running. So, the, the, I think the certainly the mainstream media would like that narrative to continue. But you know, everyone thought Donald Trump wasn't going to win, and look where we are today. 
Now, let me another question for you. You know, Bernie Sanders ran a, a great campaign for 2016. He's still a kind of a player. Uh, at least he's a mover and, and, and shaker for the Democrats. You got Cortez, who won. This other lady who who won. They're from all far leftists. That's three people in the House uh, on the Democrat side. What? What is driving, you know, the, the you know, Pelosi and, and, uh, and Schumer over on the Senate side to think that this is the wave of the, f- the future and that, uh, you know, the, this radical left that they've suddenly uh, have seen rise is, has to be coddled and, uh, you know, groomed the way that they've been doing it? Well, I mean, it clearly is a demonstrates there's a divide in the in the democratic party and while some of these people in some of these districts specifically uh, ocasio cortez's district in new york uh they're fine with socialist policies and they're fine with abolishing ice and, and they're fine with raising the minimum wage because it's a, a very liberal district but that's not going to work across the country and well so, some of these are are early and getting a lot of attention when, when it gets and they will when in the primary, Democrats are, are clearly moving in that direction, that's not going to work in the, the general day. And, and you know that. When, when we mm-hmm. get down to November and, and we're going to have a strong economy and people are going to be feeling the, the positive impact of these tax cuts and, and further benefit from the reducing federal government regulations, they're going to vote on their pocketbooks. And they're going to realize that we, you know, we can't give everything away for free. And these Democrats uh, or slash progressives uh, may do well in the primary, but the general election voters aren't, aren't going to, to stand for that. A, a number that does concern me, Dave, is there's a poll that recently came out this week that 76% of those that voted for Hillary Clinton plan to come out and vote in the midterm, and only 67% of Donald Trump voters plan to do so. Dave, we have to flip those numbers around. We, we have to, to motivate Trump voters to, to come out and vote and not sit back and, and just rest on our laurels. And I think that's a lot why we're seeing Donald Trump out there on the campaign trail. But, but people like you and the voice you have and, and your listeners really need to, to make sure and, and encourage uh, conservatives to get out there and vote because we can't leave. We can't take anything for granted. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I have been pushing uh, with everybody to realize everybody has to turn up uh, at the polls and, and support our Republican candidates. If they don't, then bad things can happen. One of the worst things could happen is, you know, that the Democrats win back the House. That would not be a good thing. Uh, I think in the Senate, I think that we're sitting pretty good. I think I personally think we'll pick up four or five seats in the Senate and uh, but then we we're just going to have a roadblock uh, as far as trying to move forth with the administration's policies. Right, and, and that's that's why it's it's critical that that we hold on to the House. Democrats are doing enough damage without being in control of any of the chambers. And, and I'll say this, Dave, talking with uh, you know a, a lot of conversations are held in the green room there at CNN with a lot of national uh, print reporters and there are folks across the country keeping an eye uh, on the the second district race there in in Arkansas and that's one where you know we've got to make sure and and get voters out and and keep them engaged and um, looking at across the map in Arkansas we have to support our, our congressional candidates 
you know, French Hill uh, specifically, uh, getting out there. The Democrats love to make it seem as though, you know, Democrats are doing better than they are, but we, we have to make sure and get out there and support our candidates. Yeah, I'm with you. Alice Stewart with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Alice, just a couple more questions. I don't have you for for very much longer. So let me just ask what you think of uh, this gutless wonder that showed up in the New York Times that says, you know, I'm a senior official and there's several of us working in the administration to protect America. Uh, This is insanity. Number one, that the New York Times even ran with an anonymous source the way they have done. I guess they're trying to, to one-up the, uh, the Washington Post and, and come up with their own deep throat, I guess. Right. My, my position on that is, is if you feel so strongly about these issues and if these issues are real, then, then go talk to members of Congress. Go report this to the Office of the Special Counsel and let a full-fledged investigation go on. Don't sit there pretending like you support this president um, and availing yourselves of all the perks of walking in and out of the White House and flying around on Air Force One and acting like you're saving the world from Donald Trump. Don't flatter yourself. That person mm-hmm. should resign, and they should go and, and do this the right way if these allegations are, are even true. That's why we have whistleblower protections. And if, if they want to do this the right way and and put their name out there that's the way you go about doing it but this is cowardly and yeah i I think like i said if if there's anything to this yes we need to look at it but i it's just highly circumspect when someone's too cowardly to put their name on it well i gotta tell you i'm highly suspect it's the new york times editorial board they hate president trump they've made that very clear they hate the man right well, and, and and if this truly is about national security, and if this truly is about your concerns that the president is going to be reckless to the point of, of causing harm to our country, then you have the responsibility. You have the responsibility to do this in the proper way and present the evidence that you supposedly have to the Office of Special Counsel and let them do a proper investigation. That's the way it should be done, not this cowardly way of, of hiding behind a confidential source with the New York Times. Well, Alice, last question for you. Let's come back to Judge uh, Kavanaugh. We all know that unless some kind of, uh, you know, atomic bomb drops uh, during these meetings and there's nothing to even hint that that's going to happen, that he's he's probably going to be confirmed. I'd put it at 99.5% for sure that the confirmation happens. You know, does... Do these guys in the red states that are blue senators, do you think they can save their skin? I mean, Manchin, can he save his skin by voting for uh, for uh, Kavanaugh? I don't see that happening. They're going to try. I mean, I, I believe we're going to have Heidkamp and Manchin uh, certainly voting for Kavanaugh because they're going to face the wrath if they don't do that. And we have, you know, Donald Trump's going to continue to 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 go out there and attack them uh, regardless of what they do. But th- their record speaks for itself, and a, a vote for ja- Judge Kavanaugh, first of all, is the right thing to do, but it's not going to save you from yourself. So I, I think I'd like to think they're going to do that. I-, I hope and pray that 
um, our Republican senators, Collins and Murkowski, uh, do the right thing and, and vote for Judge Kavanaugh as well and get this thing wrapped up sooner rather than later. But, but time will tell. Um, I, I think it's, it's certainly going to be a close vote, but it's just a, in my view, it's just a matter of time before he's sitting on the bench. All right, Alice, thanks so much. Alice Stewart joining us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Wanted to get into the Kavanaugh discussion. It's a big story here on Capitol Hill. Thanks so much, Alice. We'll uh, talk to you a little bit down the road. Thank you, Dave. Have a great day. All right, bye-bye now. Alice Stewart, we'll be back with more after these on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, my thanks to Alice Stewart for joining us here in this first half hour and bringing us up to date on Kavanaugh, her thoughts on the election coming up in November, her thoughts about some of the people who are running for president on the Democrat side. When we come back, uh, Tom Del Beccaro will join us, the former, uh, former GOP chairman in California. That's coming up. All right, back at Hold Their Feet to the Fire here at the Phoenix on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Joining us from California, Tom Del Beccaro. He is the uh, former GOP chairman in California. And, Tom, thanks for giving us some time again today. Uh, I wanted to talk with you about what was going on at Capitol Hill yesterday. I mean, Kavanaugh, the hearings there kind of, you know, sucking up all the oxygen from a a lot of important business that's going on on Capitol Hill. Yesterday, the Agriculture Committee was meeting, and uh, we were lucky enough to have our senator on, who's on that committee Uh, on the show yesterday, bringing us up to date on the agriculture bill and what was going on. And uh, today, wanted to talk to you about they had the tech giants in, uh, in front of a a Senate committee, and uh, they were asking about uh, shadow banning and all the other things that uh, conservatives are worried about that, uh, you know, we're being kind of pushed to the side a little bit, and the uh, the more liberal left-leaning elements are are getting, uh, you know, preferential treatment. What can you tell us about those meetings? Did anything come out of those things that should concern us? Well, Ed, thanks for having me on again. There's there's two issues with the tech giants. There's the whole uh, left's belief that the election was thrown in part through Russian influence. And so... The Democrats want to regulate or are talking about regulating the tech giants to stop that from occurring in the future. Uh, We'll see what's going on with that. If the tech giants don't address it themselves, I think they'll be inviting some sort of regulation from from Congress. It will almost be irresistible. The other issue is, as you described, this notion that Twitter, Facebook, and Google give preferential treatment to the left over the right. And it's become impossible really to deny with any, with a straight face, even after uh, Facebook had several months ago, Zuckerberg showed up, Zuckerberg showed up and effectively, or effectively he said, in effect, that no, this wasn't occurring. Mm-hmm. Well, and it didn't take long for it to prove that it was. And I can tell you pers- from a personal perspective, that it it does occur to to me to others like me uh and so it's an interesting thing because of course facebook and twitter are private companies and i don't have to do business with them i'm not required by law to do business with them like i am a public utility 
So they have a right to be biased, just like CNN, it turns out, has a right to be biased. The question is, though, whether they dominate the airwaves, the Internet, so much that they're becoming like CNN and like a public utility. I don't think they've reached that point. The long and the short of your question is, did anything come out of it of which we be, should be concerned? The answer is, so far, nothing's come out of it. There is no credible uh, uh, program that they're putting forward that they're going to change shadow banning um, and the rest. So the question becomes, do the, cons- the conservatives, of course, should keep talking about this, but Congress so far is not ready to do anything, so it's going to be business as usual. The text claiming it's not occurring, and the fact that it is occurring, the left saying Russia is influencing them or has the ability to infect them. They say they're working on it, but we don't know. Yeah, what I thought was interesting, the CEO of uh, Twitter said, yeah, our algorithm wasn't working as well as we expected, and now we're working on that, but we're not. Uh, trying to be, uh, you know, discriminatory against conservative or ideological thoughts. And I just thought to myself, yeah, but you're the ones who write the algorithm. So, of course you are. <laughs> it, just, it, just, it doesn't make well, sense it, to me how he can say that what he says with a straight face. Yeah, look, there's, there's no doubt that, that they don't support conservatives there's they've been doing this for a long time they shut down accounts are you are they are you seriously telling me that infowars is the worst thing on the internet there aren't things on the left that scream crazy things of course there is mm-hmm. so they're far more responsive to the left they are the ones sitting there every day just you know writing the algorithm and, and deciding what what becomes the top of the news, just like you know when you and I were kids, although you might be a week older than me or two. Yeah. NBC, CBS, and and uh, ABC used to meet on the West Side and decide what the news was. Well, Facebook and uh, Twitter through their algorithms, are deciding what the news is in the sense that they're covering it through their algorithms, just like the nightly news used to do, and that became the news. And so they're reaching that same point. You know, it's going to be interesting, Tom, because Google didn't even show up, and that I just think that shows uh, just the height (laughs) of their arrogance. Or that they've figure out they're guilty. They're promising to come <laughs> to that, but I, I don't think they have an answer either. I mean, they well know that the odds are that you're going to find something on Obama favorable than you are on Obama not favorable. Mm-hmm. The odds are higher that they're going to be against Trump, just like if you were watching CNN. The, the, the thing is, is like, like with a lot of corporations, you or business in the world, you find that there are detractors who say they're doing some things wrong, and then there's a government that shows up and says, well, we agree you're doing something wrong, and then the government tries to do something about it. 
sometimes corporations invite this with their arrogance, like Google just did. Mm-hmm. So when you don't show up and talk, you're basically daring them. And, and that could lead to regulations that, that libertarians don't like uh, and Google don't like. But if you don't self-police to a degree, you invite these things. Yep. That's that, that's exactly what happens, and uh, as we get closer and closer to the elections, uh, they're going to be turning a, a sharper and sharper focus on, you know, what's being, you know, allowed on uh, Twitter and and on Facebook and all the other social media sites. Tom, I know that you have another interview coming up. Let me just uh, let you go, and I appreciate you. Uh, giving us some time today. So what we're basically doing is um, we're we're at uh, first down and ten, and we're going to have to find out what happens after the snap of the ball. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while. I do have a prediction that there'll be at least fifty-five votes for Kavanaugh uh, once these hearings are up, and that histrionics for the Democrats seeking the presidency aren't going to dissuade some red state Democrats seeking re-election that they need to vote for this guy. Well, I I agree. I think that he's going to be on the Supreme Court. And uh, people say, can you believe what's going on? I go, well, Democrats are a bunch of clowns. They just came out in their full makeup this time. Yeah, no question. All right. Like Thanks, it. Tom. We'll Thanks, talk man. to you later, buddy. Bye-bye now. All right. Tom Del Beccaro, California GOP chairman, former California GOP chairman, and his thoughts on... Uh, the the hearings yesterday on big tech. Nothing happened, basically, except that, as I said, as you listen to the CEO uh, of Twitter talk, that was a little chilling when they said, well, it's not us. We're, we're not ideological. We're not trying to control what's being reported. Uh, that's the algorithm. But you just got to think for a second. Who writes the algorithm? They do. So just, yeah, come on. You know, I, uh, to look at the camera and to look at the, sen- the senators with a straight face and say, duh, we don't know, uh, begs the point. And that is we know what's happening, and uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how this plays out in a few more months down the road. All right, a break, and then we'll come back and finish up this hour next uh, hour. Our our first guest is a sheriff from Massachusetts. When you think of illegal immigration and problems with illegal immigrants, you don't think of Massachusetts very often. But after you hear what uh, Sheriff uh, Hodgson's has to say, uh, you'll be, uh, I think, uh, kind of surprised at the problems they have on the East Coast with this uh, particular topic. So Dave Ellswick Show, live from Capitol Hill here in Washington, D.C. We're at the Phoenix Hotel It is uh, Hold Their Feet to the Fire. We've got a lot more coming your way, and we'll be back in just a moment. All right, we've got about uh, nine minutes to the top of the hour. We'll have news for you, catch up on all the major stories that are going on. One of those major stories is one we told you about just as we came on the air this hour. Burt Reynolds, the popular star of films such as Deliverance, The Longest Yard, and Smokey and the Bandit is Dead. At, uh, at 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 82. His agent, Todd Eisner, confirmed his death to the Associated Press today. 
USA Today has reached out to Reynolds' uh, representatives for details. With his devil-may-care attitude, a permanent twinkle in his eye and his playful smile, the uh, good old boy Reynolds was the bankable major box office star of the 70s and the early 80s, accumulating a string of box office smashes and unforgettable appearances on The Tonight Show couch with his dear friend, host Johnny Carson. Reynolds was also well known for his personal dramas off the screen, his high-profile lost love with his smoky co-star Sally Field, and a messy divorce from actress Lonnie Anderson, a string of box office clunkers, followed by well-chronicled financial problems. And they forget about uh, uh, Judy Carn, uh, who he was uh, tied uh, in love interest with as well. Reynolds reemerged last year for a personal movie, The Last Movie Star, which looked into the life of a faded movie star filled with regret and longing, an exaggerated version of the actor content to living a mostly quiet life in Jupiter, Florida. I've been very, very lucky through ups and downs, said uh, Reynolds. When you crash and burn, you have to pick yourself up and go on and hope to make up for it. Along the way, I've met some wonderful people, and you always run into some jerks. But that would be the same if you were working for the Ford Motor Company. It's a tough business. It's very tough. But I always tried to leave a good impression wherever we shot, and I didn't leave any buildings burning or anything, he added with a smile. And I've had a good time through it all. Uh, The story is still developing. If anything new comes out of it, uh, while I'm on the air today, I'll bring it up to you. Uh, but he he really was uh, one of the more liked uh, movie stars uh, by his fans. Uh, I've I've heard personal stories from people who said they they had run into him, had the opportunity to to talk to him uh, personally up close, one on one, and that. He was just a, a, a normal, kind of everyday guy uh, that wasn't overwhelmed by himself. And uh, that probably was one of the strongest things that he had uh, going for him, that he was a very, very likable kind of guy. And you know what? That came out uh, very uh, strongly on the screen, I think, that uh, he was just playing himself a lot of times. I always thought, and I always will think, that that movie, Deliverance, was a tremendous motion picture that he did. It was a great uh, a great film, and uh, he and John Voight were both very, very good in uh, Ned Beatty and all the rest uh, in that, that film. It's not an easy movie to watch, but as a movie about you know na- man against nature and, and man against um, a different culture... Uh, was, uh, you know, very, very good. Uh, excellent, in fact, is the way I, I looked at it. All right, here in, on Capitol Hill, Joey, or uh, uh, Booker, Cory Booker, has been the, um, the interesting story that has come out of these hearings. Uh, Camelia Harris has tried to be, but uh, she was just not able to get any kind of traction. Uh, Cory Booker made a great show of breaking Senate rules today 
to release committee confidential emails uh, regarding Supreme Court nominee Judge uh, Brett Kavanaugh, but the emails had reportedly already been cleared for release. Uh, Booker referring to himself, are you ready for this, as Spartacus. God, if the, if the Republicans... If the Republicans had uh, some some uh, nads, Russ, can you imagine if they all started going, standing up and going, I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. Don't you think that? <laughs> I <laughs> am Trump. <laughs> it would be so funny. I would... I they don't have they don't have the guts to do it, but it would that would be a classic moment. It'd be like watching a Saturday Night Live skit or something. Oh, I am a Spartacus. Anyway, uh, he called himself Spartacus, the slave who led a revolt in ancient Rome and sacrifices himself in the Hollywood film version of the story. Defiantly dared the Senate to oust him for breaking the rules of confidentiality uh, uh, today. The emails he released included an exchange in which Kavanaugh advised the Bush. Now listen to this. They're going. You're going to hear what Kavanaugh told them, and it seems like to me it it plays to Kavanaugh Kavanaugh's strengths uh, here. It says uh, Bookish spun, spun these uh, together to suggest Republicans were trying to keep the emails hidden because of the references to race, implying that Kavanaugh had made racially derogatory or offensive comments in the emails and he he didn't uh, I'm just you just can read these and see that that's not the case he was telling them that some things that they were doing in the administration smacked of uh, profiling shouldn't be doing this well that seems to be a Democrat talking point. And he backed them up on it. Uh, later today, Shannon Bream of Fox News reported that the emails had already been cleared for release by the committee. At uh, well, coming up here in just about four minutes, uh, after Democratic senators on the committee belatedly asked Chairman Chuck Grassley to make them public. Committee communication staffer Garrett uh, Ventry elaborated on Twitter about this. Here's what happened last night. Uh, Senators Leahy, Coons, Blumenthal, and Booker requested certain committee confidential documents be made public for use during the hearing for Judge Kavanaugh. So now we're being told by committee staffers that Senator Booker knew before he made these statements that the documents in question had already been cleared for release. That's a significant claim to make. So I've asked his office directly, and uh, it'll be updated with when or if I get a response. Anyway, that's where that's at right now. From Spartacus's office there <laughs> in the in the I am Spartacus. I'm gonna we gotta pull that out of that movie and we gotta have that so we can play it over and over again now, Russ. I am Spartacus. Alright, it's the Dave Ellswick show. We come back, hold their feet to the fire. We got more more to cover today. It never, ever stops here on Capitol Hill. Live from D.C., more coming your way after the news. All right, we're back. And uh, trying to send a, a text here, find out where Sheriff Hodgson is. This happens a lot. There's so many people here on uh, Radio Row. 
Try to get, I'll try to help you visualize this. We're well, on you two. usually have me there to wrangle people with you. Yeah, well, that's true, and, and to run run some some of these people down. But they get over and they start talking, and they lose track of time. It's real easy to do, and you know that down they've got the ballroom downstairs that is full of, of talk show hosts, cordoned off with uh, you know poles and and uh, like carpets that they hang from uh, those poles, and then you come up to the second floor and. There, there's these not, not ballrooms, but meeting rooms that they've got us all in. So, And they do a pretty good job of being able to knock off a, a lot of the sound from the different booths so that we can't uh, hear each other while we're on the air on our shows. And uh, interestingly, they are not able to uh, be heard from, uh, from, you know, broadcast booth to broadcast booth. But there's like... At any given time, there's like 50 talk show hosts doing their shows right here, and sometimes uh, people get on uh, shows and they get they got a good conversation going and and they don't uh, they're not able to cover up uh, they forget they're supposed to be somewhere, so uh, sometimes uh, this happens. Uh, Sheriff Thomas Hodgson is supposed to be with us. Uh, he's from Briscoe County in Massachusetts. Uh, to be honest, uh, we had him on last year. Uh, he was probably the best interview while we were here last year. You remember, Tom, uh, Russ. Uh, and it, when you're talking from the law enforcement perspective, I mean, he was just, he was very blunt, very honest about what was going on. And uh, usually well, the fact that, that it happens in the Northeast, so far away from yes. our southern border, that yeah, you, is you what's would, got... A lot of people unnerved about this. Yeah. Well, let me just run over what he what he told us. Uh, he, you know, uh, since 1998, uh, the the sheriff has been on the front lines, and he's been calling for responsible immigration reform that helps law enforcement keep communities safe. Uh, he worked with state and local leaders to put national security ahead of appeasing illegal aliens and up in the northeast that's not an easy thing to do it's um unless you've been up there and you've really dealt with things up there you just don't realize that in different sections of our country people think entirely differently i mean completely differently they don't see things even closely like we see things uh in in you know the southwest or or south whichever place you want to place uh, Arkansas out uh, at and he's always been thinking outside the box I'd love I hope we can get him on Briscoe County has a unique illegal immigration problem where they're at their their illegal alien population doesn't come from Mexico comes from Portugal how's that one for you Uh, instead of helping the federal government detain and deport local uh, illegals the sheriff worked with portugal to develop programs that improve the lives of deportees in their native land Uh, thanks to him uh, they now have transitional housing medical treatment and other resources available for deportees back home in the azores making them less likely to return to the u.s illegally in the future that's thinking outside the box 
He's helped him with that. And now uh, this has been going on for like seven years now, and he took it upon himself uh, because, you know, ICE and couldn't do everything on their own. Uh, he built an immigration detention center on the side of the Briscoe County House of Corrections. And it detains right around 200, and off top of my head, I think it was 250 illegal aliens. I'm looking off my notes uh, from him being on last year. His act of opposition to illegal immigration doesn't end just where he's at. Uh, he goes above and beyond to stop harmful amnesty legislation at the Massachusetts and federal level. He, I mean, he, he's one of the really good guys. He really is. And I, I, I hope that he is able to make it to buy... Uh, here and and talk with us today because he does it right he's been he's been working this from every angle he possibly can to uh, try and and uh, you know help these people uh, as well as uh, punish these people i mean his goal is not to put them in jail and throw away the key Uh, his his goal is to you know if he get some of these folks um, he incarcerates them they take care of them but they send them back to uh, Portugal to the Azores and um, he works with their government to make sure that for whatever reason they came to the United States uh, he can uh, maybe find them uh, some help so that uh, returning to their their uh, host country is a is a good thing for them uh, to do and uh, you know things uh, work out for them back home better that they live in their own country than try to come here uh, as far as uh, this is is can uh, you know concerned all right when we come back why did the new york times run this anonymous op-ed now uh, melania trump has uh, Slam the anonymous White House op-ed writer, and uh, we'll see what else is going on around it. And hopefully, the sheriff will stop by uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 14 minutes uh, after three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. I'm at on Capitol Hill uh, in Washington D.C. I'm at the Phoenix, two blocks away from the Capitol, about a block away from Union Station. It's a great spot to be, to be talking about politics uh, right now in Washington, D.C. We'll be back with more after these. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And and let's talk a little bit about this whole thing about the anonymous uh, op-ed by the New York Times. Uh, There's a good article today in the uh, USA Today looking at this. It says, with the publication of an anonymous editorial brutally criticizing President Trump. The New York Times set off a guessing game not only about who the author might be, but also why the storied newspaper would provide a platform for an unnamed source. In the op-ed, the author, identified as a, quote, senior official in the Trump administration, which, by the way, is, um, there's hundreds of them. I mean, this is not, you know... Is it a member of the cabinet or whatever? Doubtful. But, uh, bottom line, there's a lot of senior administration officials. 
doesn't mean it's anybody that's really high up uh, as, as far as that's concerned. Uh, the details concerns about how the president continues to act in a manner that is detrimental to the health of our republic. Anonymous sources are commonly used in news stories, especially in national and international political reporting, but only after careful consideration. Let me just talk about that just a little bit because there's a big difference. That's kind of a straw man argument they just set up. It's pretty easy to knock it down. And that's this. When you're dealing with sources, and being that I was a reporter for years, before I ever was a, a talk show host, I, I worked in the newsrooms of radio stations in Texas and in Indiana uh, and in Kentucky uh, that, um, and, and, and covered politics. Uh, you know, in, in Indiana, I was the number one political reporter on the, the biggest uh, 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 radio station there in Indianapolis and WIBC. Uh, when you have sources that you use, you don't just talk to them on the phone or your source doesn't uh, give you a piece of paper with facts or that they say that they have about something. Uh, I, I sat down face-to-face with them, and, and all I said and, and found out exactly who they were, what it was that they did, and knew without... Uh, any doubt uh, that what they were telling me was true. That's not the case here. That's not the case here. That, that's not the source kind of source we're talking about, about here. Uh, we're talking about publishing an article somebody gave that they gave to you anonymously. And they say that they, uh, they asked the person what they did and, and uh, they believed that that person was who they said they were. Uh, Rem Ryder is a former USA Today media columnist. He now teaches media ethics at Woodner University in Chester, Pennsylvania, had this to say, quote, It's so much against the traditional ethics of journalism. Clearly, it must reflect the times, thinks we've got a national crisis and unusual times call for unusual measures. However... That doesn't necessarily mean it was the right thing to do. And this is, this is where it gets really, really sticky. Because the New York Times editorial staff has been very outspoken of how they think this president uh, is unfit to be president. They have pushed that narrative for the last two years. They have written some of the most disgusting things that you can uh, imagine about the, the President of the United States. And now they make the decision that, uh, you know, they're going to uh, publish this anonymous uh, column that they're going to put in the, uh, the New York Times uh, that, quote, uh, they had to do because we're running into a national crisis. Who says we're running into a national crisis? What? A liberal? Because they don't like the policies that that this president has or that this president 
called out their newspaper and talks about how they're losing subscribers and things of that. The Times took a very rare step to publish the op-ed because, quote, and this is from them, we believe publishing this essay anonymously is the only way to deliver an important perspective to our readers. Well, the perspective that they delivered is the exact same perspective that they've been, you know, drum beating the whole time since Trump won the election. They're saying that a primary reason in favor of the Times running the unnamed Trump administration officials essay, quote, was really to show the reasoning that somebody might have for working for an amoral boss. That, according to Kelly McBride, senior vice president of the Pointer Institute, quote, this is a window into how this individual thinks every day as he or she shows up uh, for work. The author couldn't put their name to the essay for fear of losing their job. No, I'm not. I don't buy that. They got a whistleblower rules all over the place here in Washington D.C. Here's what this person didn't want to do. It's. I think it's still going to happen. But here's what what they uh, the reason they wanted to do this anonymously. And, and Dana Perino had it. I think dead to rights. Uh, yesterday when she said that the person who wrote this was gutless and the reason they were gutless is that they're sitting in a position where they're quote a senior administrative official uh, uh, on this administration the Trump administration and that they're probably reaching out to different people now looking for a a high paying job uh, after they leave Uh, this government position. In other words, what they're trying to do is butter their toast. Not on just one side, but on both sides. And uh, the Times said that they grant uh, anonymity to sources on stories when they feel that those people are in danger of physical danger of losing their livelihood and our rules aren't all that different for the editorial page. Uh, Jim Dow uh, went on to say that the Times has run about four anonymous editorials in the past three or four years. In this instance, he said, it was essentially a case of if this person would not be willing to use their real name because they perhaps wanted to remain in the administration to do what they were doing. Out of that conversation, we decided that the piece was important enough and strong enough to justify uh, gaining the whole anonymous cover. In June, the time... Now, what's interesting is about this story is they, they mix apples and oranges together. As I was telling you about when they talked about this person being a source. This is not a traditional source. This is not a traditional source. Uh, in June... The Times published an op-ed by an immigrant mother from El Salvador who chronicled the experience she and her six-year-old son faced in an immigration detention center, and her name was withheld because she she was fearing that she'd be deported and there might be gang retaliation. Uh, The gang retaliation, I can understand, deportation, 
I don't understand. She's breaking the law. In the uh, latest column, which quickly generated the national guessing game over who the author is, uh, the official claimed to be among many Trump appointees who have vowed to do what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while stopping Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of office. The official uh, reveals that early during Trump's presidency, uh, some in the cabinet considered invoking the 25th Amendment, which was set in motion the potential removal of the president because he's unfit for office, quote, but no one wanted to precipitate a constitutional crisis. No, you just want to precipitate it now. I mean, you've got to understand the the serious implications of what's going on here and that it's coming from a news source, and I use that term lightly with the New York Times, that is hell-bent on bringing down this administration. It should never have happened. It will be interesting, I think, when we find out who it is, and then everybody's going to have to make up their mind, you know, was the New York Times right in doing this? Was this somebody that was, uh, you know, up there at the top that really could have made a difference of what was going on? Mm, Not so much, I believe. And uh, I don't know. I think New York Times overplayed their, their hand this time. It will be interesting to see how it all works out in the end. All right, when we come back, we're going to have a special guest. He's from Fort Smith, Arkansas, is what I've been understanding. So we're going to talk with him. And uh, Elie, is, is, uh, come on over and have a sit real sure. quick with us. And uh, so how long have you been away from uh, the wonderful world of uh, Fort Smith? Well, I actually lived in Van Buren, graduated high school over there in 1990. Oh, so, okay. uh, I have I've been with uh, with the Border Patrol for 11 years now. All right, you're with the National Border Patrol Council. Lee yes, Smith sir. is his name. He'll be our next guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Following uh, Lee, we'll have Robert Spencer uh, from Jihad Watch, Sabine. Uh, Durden is going to be on with us today, and Diamond and Silk will wrap it up today here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Plus, Dale Wilcox will be with us also. A lot more information coming your way uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Sorry that the sheriff wasn't here. Evidently, he got caught up and couldn't make it, and uh, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Let's get to the news, find out what's happening, what's the big story. Here it is. All right, back with you, Capitol Hill. We're at the Phoenix Hotel. Uh, this is Hold Their Feet to the Fire. The folks at FAIR do this every year. By the way, go to FAIRUS. That's F-A-I-R-U-S dot O-R-G. Uh, you'll find all the information you need uh, to uh, educate yourself about this whole uh, uh, topic of illegal immigration and immigration and you know, what's going on with sanctuary cities and all the rest. So while uh, you should do that and, uh, you know, go with some of the interviews you're hearing here today and yesterday on the Dave Ellswick Show. I've been doing this for 12 years. 12 years they've been doing it here. I've always thought that uh, illegal immigration was a serious topic. It takes away uh, jobs from Americans. I don't think that that's right. And, uh, of course, it 
has a you know big uh, big impacts upon our uh, social uh, net that we have out there to help American citizens as well. Uh, before one dollar goes to an illegal, that dollar should go to a, an American citizen if if they should be able to get it. So uh, I just I, I I don't understand why it's a, a big decision to make about about uh, you know whether you're going to stop it or not. You need to stop it. All right, with us, Lee Smith. He's the president of the uh, NBPC Local 2509. He's with the National Border Patrol Council, and uh, he is originally from Fort Smith, Arkansas. That's right. That's right. So the the heat doesn't bother you. You're down in Big Bend country in, in Texas. Right, I live about 100 miles north of Big Bend National Park. Uh, obviously, the heat doesn't bother me. There's no humidity there. Right. So I don't miss that about Arkansas. I miss everything else about Arkansas. Mm. <laughs> trees? I miss the trees. I miss the water. There's not a whole lot of that down there. So I know. When I go on vacation, I take uh, I take full advantage of it. Well, I, I, I'm glad that uh, David Ray from FAIR called me and said that you were here and uh, that uh, you were from Arkansas and would like to be on the air. And I said, sure, I got this half hour open and be more than happy to Absolutely. have you on here. I was looking at the schedule and I said, wait a second, I've got someone from Little Rock. I've got to get on that. Yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad that you came over. So you're here. Tell us a little bit about what are the things that uh, the uh, the other hosts have been asking you about. What's the main gist of their questioning? Uh, I- I think it's all over the place. It, this is, you know, we come here and obviously everyone wants firsthand knowledge about what we're seeing. So then it winds up sort of just being sort of a shotgun effect, right? Um, one of the one of the topics that we continually talk about is uh, they want to know about family separations. They want to know about how how well, things that's a changed. big story, right? Now, oh, absolutely. It? You know, they want to know how things have changed uh, under President Trump, uh, and and I'll get right into it. You know, the work that we're doing now is no different than the work we were doing under President Obama. Uh, catch and release has not stopped. Uh, it's, it's, we're doing the exact same thing that we were under President Obama. Now, let me stop you and say that the reason it hasn't stopped is because the court system won't let you stop, correct? You know, it's, it's, it's not just the courts. You know, we attribute a lot of the problems that we have within the agency to, to management, to otherwise people that are part of the swamp, right, within the right. agency. okay. Uh, these are kingdom-building build, political positions. Uh, they're the same people in power today that were in power when Obama was in office. Uh, so while President Trump, when he came into office, was able to slow down the amount of illegal immigration was simply just with rhetoric, just by talking. Right. Um, uh, now what we're seeing is no one in, in Congress is willing to step up and do what needs to be done to fix the problem. Um, again, some 20 years after uh, uh, President Reagan fixed this or tried to fix this in 86, we're simply just kicking the can down the road. You know, that's all we're doing here. And President Reagan said, you know, shame on him for voting for that bill. And guess who wrote that bill? You know who wrote that bill? Congressman I could, I from tell you. Congressman from New York by the name of Charles Schumer. Right. You know, and that, and that, but that's the problem is n- none of the uh, of, of the congressmen currently or senators want to actually fix this problem, or at least they don't seem to want to fix it. Yeah. They just want to keep kicking the can down the road. 
Uh, so that's our biggest problem, is not getting the support we need from people in office outside of the president. So basically it's because of what's going on two blocks I don't know for what is that north uh, it from might us? Be. Yeah, yeah right, I don't. Know. I mean, literally right down the street. Yeah, right down the street from us, and they refuse to grab the bull by the horns and do something about this. Right. You know, uh, there are folks that want to take care of the dreamers, and 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 we get that. You know, we understand that. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, President Trump offered to allow double the numbers in terms of dreamers to stay, but in turn, he wanted funding for the wall. And Schumer said they no. Said no. I mean, that, that's just that's that's crazy to me. He's he's willing to go more than halfway to meet you, and you're still going to say no. That's because they need uh, they like having that political football out there to keep their base going. That's right. That's right. You know, it. it, it I, I think that people are right when they're saying, "Hey, this is just about getting votes." Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. That's what it is. If I can play to my base or a certain certain uh, constituency to increase my my voter block why wouldn't i do that you know we've long said they're playing to people that have no skin in the game here if you're an illegal alien you can't vote anyway Uh, supposedly supposedly but (laughs) rather than taking care of their own constituents who are american citizens we're going to play to an illegal alien a population that's not even supposed to be here that 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 blows my mind. And blows my mind, too, because it makes you wonder how much they really love their country. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm here with Art Del Cueto, who's a, a vice president with the National Border Patrol Council, as well as Hector Garza. And they're, they're both the national spokesmen for, for the National Border Patrol Council. Yeah, I was talking and, and, to Hector the other day in the elevator coming yeah. up because he's been here a couple of years now. Oh, yeah. I think this is his this might be his third time. But, yeah. you know, these guys, they, 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 they'll come in. They'll tell you the same thing. They're like, what are we doing? Like, if, if if you love America, love America. Yep. But if your hate for the president is greater than your love for America, there's something wrong. I would agree to that. You know, I, I would say that we don't always agree with everyone that's in office. But yeah. at the end of the day, I'm proud to be an American. Yep. I'm proud to defend America. Uh, and I don't know that we have that right now. We have a lot of people that are just so angry and so upset that President Trump won the election. They don't care what they do to the country. So let's talk about this whole thing about uh, the kids and separation and and all of that. I I think I heard today that that Trump signed uh, uh, a declaration saying that they're not to be separated for 60 days uh, at the border now. And we can come back and and let's discuss what's happening uh, down on the border. And, and then one of my big questions is we've got two processing centers. Uh, you've got the one in San Diego, and is the other one in Brownsville? Is that where it's at uh, here in Texas, I think? Uh, I, I, I believe so. It's, it's down in the Rio Grande Valley. And I think they, they have one, a, a facility, a housing facility in Tornillo, Texas, which is east of El Paso as well. Yeah, we need to talk about that because, you know, if they come to those areas, a lot of this is negated, you right. know, when they, when they get there. So we'll come back and why they're paying, you know, coyotes and whatever to to come across, you know, King Anvil Ranch in Arizona and all the other things that they're doing. It's, just, it's, it's got me questioning about all of that. 
When we come back, we'll talk more with Lee Smith. He's the president of NBPC, Local 2509, the National Border Patrol Council. I'm Dave Ellswick. We're live on Capitol Hill. We are in Washington, D.C. Hold their feet to the fire is meeting here at the Phoenix Hotel. We'll come back, continue our conversation in a moment. All right, back with you in Washington, D.C. It's a beautiful day here. I mean, blue skies, a few fluffy uh, white clouds are out there, and it's 92 degrees. The only thing that I don't get done until uh, 7 o'clock Eastern, and uh, today... Uh, in a rain makeup, the Cubs are here to take on the Nationals, and I can't get over and see them. That's that's killing me, knowing that 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 they're that close and I can't see because there's tickets available. I've been told that there's plenty of tickets available, but that's just the way it goes. All right, we're we're down to about ten minutes left here in this hour. Let's get back and talk further with Lee. Lee Smith is uh, with the National Border Patrol Council. He's the president of uh, NBPC Local 2509. Uh, We're talking about what's going on on the border, and uh, he's been uh, good enough to join us today. He's originally from Fort Smith, Arkansas, but living now in Alpine, Texas, Big Bend country, the hot part of Texas, the barren part of Texas. That's right. No water, no trees. Yeah, you go down there in Big Bend, and uh, it's just desert. It's got its own strange beauty. But it is definitely just dry. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that that's probably one of the most beautiful uh, places in Texas. I mean, it's it's the weather's fantastic, the scenery's fantastic. Lot, lot lots of mountains, uh, definitely different than what we have in Arkansas sure. right, with all the trees. Uh, you can actually see the mountains because there's no trees there. <laughs> there are uh, no trees around. But it, it is. It, if you've never been to the national park down there, Big Bend National Park, you've got to come down. Uh, it's one of the hidden gems in the national park system. It is beautiful there. If you're a hiker, you'd really like it. Absolutely. There's ton, ton Absolutely. of trails down there. It really is. I lived in Texas for a lot of years and got around. It, it's, you know, Texas is like its own country. Could be. Because it's so big. It takes you all day to go from one side to the other. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I used to live in El Paso as a kid, and we would travel to uh, Van Buren to go see my grandparents, uh, my mom's parents. And back then, this, the speed limit was 55 miles an hour. You know, today it takes me about 13 hours to get back home when I come visit. Uh, obviously, as a kid, I didn't pay attention to how long it took, but right. it took forever. Yeah. You know, it you could waste an entire day trying to drive from one side of the state to the other, whether so you, that's east or west or north or south. So you're singing, uh, you know, the wheels on the car go round and round. That's right. It's, it's the way it is. Uh, you ask a person, a Texan, and they'll just say there's miles and miles of miles and miles. That's it. The West Texas, that that is it. There are It's just mile after mile after mile. There's, you know, it, the scenery is nice, but when it takes you two hours to get to the next town, uh, you can kind of get a little tired of it. Now, they helped you out a little bit. Didn't they raise the speed limit to 75 in some areas? Some areas uh, it's 75. Some areas it's uh, 80 miles an hour. All I think, right. I think, I think somewhere around central east Texas, it might be even 85 in some areas. So They're like, they understood like Montana did. you got to get there. Yeah. 
Yeah, know? there ain't nothing between point right. A and point B. You don't have time to mess around. <laughs> yeah, I want to get from here to there and get it over with. That's exactly right. All right. So Lee is with us. We're going to talk a little bit about this family separation thing. As I said, the Trump administration today, new rule in effect, 60 days. Families aren't supposed to be separate. But the problem is, are they really families? You know, when we talk about family separation, I want to make it clear, we're not doing anything different today than we were uh, under the Obama administration. Uh, There's also case law out there that that says that we can't detain a minor child for more than 20 days. Right. Um, the gist of this is, is look, we have to do due process when we when we uh, apprehend these these minors, right? Whether they're unaccompanied or they come across with an adult who's claiming them as a child or their child, which may not be the case. And that's what we find out a lot of times is that, um, you know, they come across and they say, well, that you know, that that's my son or that's my daughter. Uh, when we when we question these children. Um, we, we start to find out, well, it, it might be my uncle. And then we question a little further. Well, I, I just kind of picked them up along the way, and, you know, we're just claiming them as our children now so that we can get into the country. Uh-huh. Um, so we have to do due process. I mean, if, if people are outraged at the idea of separating families now, could you imagine how they would feel if they found out we let some child go with an adult who was not their family member? And then we don't know what happens to the child. I mean, let's be honest here. The, not everything and not everyone that comes across the border, whether that's the south, southern border or the northern border, mm-hmm. uh, when they come across illegally, they're not all coming across for a better life. There's a lot of nefarious stuff that goes on that I think uh, the, the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about. Isn't that weird? I mean, they don't want to talk really talk about, quote, human trafficking. I don't. I don't know if it. I, look, they're trying to. They're trying to meet an agenda. Uh, I, I. You know. It's like exactly. We, it's like what we talked about earlier, right? Um, they're looking for any way to paint President Trump in a bad light. That's the bottom line. Uh, again, we're not doing anything different today than we were under under President Obama. But all of a sudden, it's President Trump's fault that all this is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, back to back to the, the children. You know, we have to do the right thing. We have to make sure that if we are releasing these children to an adult, that that adult is a legal guardian of some sort, that they have some family relation that we can actually release them to. Um, otherwise, uh, we're, we're not going to do. We're not doing our job right. Yeah, let's talk about these facilities that the children are taken to. People act like these kids are. Uh, not taken care of, they're not being fed, they're, you know, that's not the case. It's not. Couldn't be further from the truth. You know, it's funny when, when they, the most recent pictures started to come out about the uh, the, the horrible conditions that the, these children were being kept in. Come to find out those pictures were from 2014. Mm-hmm. Obama's time. Obama's time. Uh, look, these kids, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it is like staying at the Hilton by any means, but... They're given 24 access to medical care. They're given hot meals three times a day. They're given the opportunity to have recreational activities. Um, Again, you know, we're trying to give them the least restrictive uh, surroundings that we can because they're children uh, and and we should treat them accordingly. Uh, 
we're doing the absolute best that we can to take care of those kids while they are in our custody, uh, while we're trying to determine who their parents are, where their parents are in some cases. Because some of these kids, their parents are already here in the United States illegally, and then they've paid some smuggler, if you can imagine. They've paid a smuggler to bring their kids over and then get those children to them. Amazing. I mean, that just that boggles my mind. I, I have two kids. One, one is, is an adult, and he's in college, and the other one is in uh, uh, seventh grade. I could not imagine paying someone that I don't know mm-hmm. to take either one of them, the, my adult child or my, or my, or my 12-year-old, two, three, 4,000 miles away. I just couldn't fathom that. I couldn't either. I couldn't fathom 30 miles. Exactly. You know, much less much, that many miles. Like a, 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 much less a taxi or an Uber, right? Yeah. But these, they don't even know who these people are. They're just paying organizations to take their kids somewhere. And in cases where they're they're being housed, they're going to be with kids they don't know. And, and it's a traumatic experience. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, we got to do it as humanely as we possibly can. And we are doing the best that we can to do that. You know, I... We get painted as Border Patrol agents. We get painted as, as being Nazis or xenophobic or all these crazy different names that people want to give to us. Me and my colleagues today, we were talking, better than 50% of the Border Patrol currently are Hispanic. Yeah. And so you, I think you do a great disservice to the men and women uh, in the Border Patrol when you start calling them those kinds of names. When you start talking about how we're evil and mean to the, to the children... In my own experience, I've seen my own, my own agents, including myself, where we have given up our own lunches or our own water or our own dinner when we've apprehended these folks who have not eaten or had a drink of clean water in sometimes days. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are agents that were at the Sierra Blanca station uh, that were bringing in uh, DVD players and DVDs and televisions and games and books and toys that they were that they were taking from their own children, so that when we apprehended these unaccompanied minors, that they would have some basic necessities. Yeah, but the media won't tell you that; they're just telling you that hey, we're just stripping babies from mamas. Of course, and they try to show pictures that uh, will prove that. Lee Smith, thank you for your time. President of the NBPC Local 2509 National Border Patrol Council. We appreciate you coming and shedding some light on what goes on on the border. Thanks for having me on, Dave, and go Hogs. There you go. Colorado State this weekend. Got more coming your way after the news. All right, back on Capitol Hill. We're at the Phoenix Hotel just down from the Capitol here in Washington, D.C. We move into our last two hours of coverage from Hold Their Feet to the Fire. It's been going on for 12 years, this uh, particular conference. I've been here all 12 years. I came here first year with Roger, uh, Roger Hitchcock and when this was just kicked off. And we started off with about 12 talk show hosts, and this time we had over 60 of us here. And Because this is a really, really serious topic. It's costing billions of dollars here in the United States. And uh, our politicians are just sitting on their hands and not doing any, well, I won't say they're not doing anything. Usually whatever it is that they're doing just makes the matter worse. Uh, Joining us here in this uh, half hour, Dale Wilcox is here. He's the executive director of the Immigration Reform Law Institute. They are an offshoot affair. 
Uh, and uh, also with this is Tom Holman. Tom is the former director of uh, ICE. Tom, I'm gonna, I just want to start off with a general question for you. Do you not take umbrage at all these politicians that have tried to vilify ICE agents in this country? No, of course I do. <laughs> we got you. Go. Of course I do. You're talking about, you know, vilifying the men and women for enforcing the law that, that was enacted by Congress. They're doing their job. They're upholding the oath to enforce the law. They're not making this up. And these are men and women that choose to leave their home every day, leave the safety and security of their home, strap a gun to their head, defend this nation. We ought to be honoring them, not vilifying them. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% behind it. And and I'll also say this, for all of the people who say this is all about uh, illegal aliens and whatever, that's not just ISIS one overriding job. You all get involved with trafficking and all kinds of stuff, which is a very dangerous thing. Look, we, we enforce 400 statutes. We, we enforce human trafficking, alien smuggling, child sex trafficking, and, and intellectual property rights. We do terrorism investigation. We're the second leading agency in the Joint Terrorism Task Forces. We have the Visa Security Program. We prevented 8,000 people from getting visas last year that we found have derogatory information that did harm to the country. We do we do uh, drug trafficking. We Just so far this year, ISIS received nearly a million pounds of narcotics off the streets of this country. So we do a lot of national security work. We do a lot of public safety work. Uh, so this is just, we're not going to back away from the immigration responsibility, but this is much bigger than immigration. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And uh, it just goes to show how kind of ignorant the American public is that they would buy into that whole argument. Well, you know, in, I think the American people are, are getting wise to it. I'm glad these, these, these politicians are calling for abolishment of ICE because I think they pulled the curtain back. I think they understand that President Trump was right a few weeks ago when he says abolishing ICE equals open borders because bottom line is if there's no ICE, if you get by the border, you're home free. No one's looking for you. If you, if you get caught by the border, you're going to ask to see a judge, you get released until you see the judge, you're home free. No one's looking for you. If you always stay in visa, no one's looking for you. So Trump is exactly right. It's open borders. I think the American people are getting wind of this. I think the curtain's been pulled back. So and I think it's going to help them in the long run. All right. Let's talk a little bit with uh, Dale Wilcox here and how both of you work together uh, for a, a similar end that you're looking for. And uh, Dale is a litigator, better known as a lawyer. All right, That's easy way to remember it. All right, he's a lawyer. He works with Fair, and you're in there doing things, uh, dealing with with sanctuary cities and. Uh, birthright, uh, citizenship, and, and all the rest of the things that are that people's eyes start to glaze over when you talk to them about this. This is people don't realize this is a really complex uh, problem. We talked yesterday about uh, you know marriages and and all that and how people use that as a as a methodology to circumvent the system. So. Why don't you walk uh, our listeners through this a little bit? What what are the things that you all are trying to do? Well, basically, we are um, uh, we stand for the rule of law. 
We stand for... Uh, I'm uh, glad you are, because there's a lot of people that aren't. Immigration enforcement, enforcing the laws that are on the books. And uh, what, uh, as you can imagine, we've been very busy uh, defending the president's uh, America First policies all around the country. He's being sued left, right, and uh, uh, up and down everywhere you can look. And uh, we are uh, following him around the country, filing briefs in those cases, and standing up for the American people. And uh, national security, obviously, and taxpayers, American workers, all the issues that are involved in this. So uh, we, that's, that's part of what we do, but we also have an investigations department. We, we watch the government closely uh, for waste, fraud, and abuse, and um, um, we try to alert the American public to um, um, issues when they arise, when we uncover things. We use the Freedom of Information Act quite frequently to go after information that uh, might enlighten the American public to what's going on. Mark, talk to us a little bit about, since right now, not more than a couple of blocks away in Capitol, uh, that you got the confirmation hearings to Judge Kavanaugh going on. What's, what's his record about immigration? He has a great record on immigration. Uh, there, there are three or four cases where he's ruled directly on immigration issues. In every case that he's ruled, he's always ruled for the American worker, the American public, farmers. Um, um, uh, one particular case, uh, uh, illegal aliens were arguing that they should be allowed to uh, unionize. Uh, it's unlawful to employ illegal aliens. They wanted to unionize and vote in union elections. And Kavanaugh, obviously... Was this uh, out in San Francisco? No, no, it wasn't. Uh, but, uh, 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 it, but in every case, he's come down on the right side of the issue. And I've actually um, argued, we have cases, in, uh, had cases in front of uh, Judge Kavanaugh, and uh, every, um, he has an impeccable record. He's a fair judge. I'm sure he'll be confirmed. All right. So, Tom, let me ask you this. One of the things that has been going on in this country is sanctuary cities. You had to deal with that. Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas came out about oh, six, eight months ago talking about a citywide ID card. That's like shooting a flare gun in my studio. That, that smacks of wanting to be a sanctuary city. How difficult does that make the job of ICE when cities become sanctuary cities and when Governor Moonbeam out there in California makes it a sanctuary state? It makes it very difficult. Look, an ICE officer can sit in a county jail and process 10, 12 illegal aliens a shift. But when that county jail releases them without the attention of ICE, now we've got to set a whole team to look for these folks. It puts our officers at great risk because rather, rather than arrest them in the safety and security of a county jail where we know they don't have weapons because they're behind a the wire, now we gotta go in the community and knock on the door. It makes it a lot dangerous mm -hmm. on their turf to have access to weapons. It's not only, that's only only they sell the same for cities protecting the immigrant community because they want the immigrant community to feel safe to, to call the police on if they're victims or witnesses of crime. First of all, that's a big 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 misnomer because if, if we know they're a victim or witness, they can get a visa. So that, that is just, that's a bunch of crap that the, the left's pushing out. But sanctuary cities do not protect immigrant communities because here's, here's what sanctuary cities do. Okay. They release criminals back into the community. Those criminals go back into various communities in which they live. So what they actually did by releasing that criminal alien is put the alien, immigrant community at greater risk of crime because they're going to reoffend on their very community. Right. They also put them at greater risk of ice arrest. Let me explain that to you because we can't get the bad guy in the jail. We're going to find him. 
which means we got to go into the community. And when we do find him, chances are he's going to be with others, others that weren't even on the radar. So I, I read a story today. ICE has arrested more non-criminals this year than last year. We're, we know where most of those criminals, non-criminals are being arrested in sanctuary cities because they have forced us into the neighborhoods. Also, what I've, I've asked every sanctuary policy mayor to do this one thing. Go to your immigrant community and ask them this one simple question. Would you rather Would you rather have ICE in your county jail or in your neighborhood? What do you think they're going to say? Yeah. They're going to say in the county jail because even though they broke the law and entered the country illegally, which is a crime, most of them abide by the law after they're here and try to behave. Many don't, but they don't want child predators in their neighborhood either. They don't right. want somebody who's been convicted of DUI 10 times in their neighborhood either. And the final thing I'll say is sanctuary cities, the carrot, that they dangle to entice more people to come to this country to then get to a place to get sanctuary status, which means more people are going to die and making this trip, and more people are going to hire criminal organizations to smuggle them into the country, the same criminal organizations that smuggle dope and smuggle guns, the same criminal organizations that murder border agents and, and murder uh, special agents. So congratulations to Sanctuary Cities. You are funding criminal organizations that have killed U.S. agents. What, what do you think, uh, Dale, about sanctuary cities and cutting federal funding to them well i think it's the right thing to do obviously if they're not going to cooperate with the federal government in immigration enforcement and 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 we have a national immigration policy okay so it, it it's it's nationwide it's not by state so if they're not going to cooperate they should have the funds cut off all right so how how successful have we been at that i mean have the have the courts been you know, uh, on our side as far as that's concerned? Well, sadly, no, because what's going on is you have these jurisdictions that are in uh, left-leaning forums, like the Ninth Circuit, um, and they've been getting favorable opinions from these judges. Uh, however, most of these issues will make it to the Supreme Court, like the so-called travel ban issue. We litigated. We were in every stage of that litigation all around the country. There were something like four different cases going on. We were filing briefs in those cases. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. In the end, we were victorious. That's what's going to happen here. These detainer issues, these uh, DACA, uh, uh, sanctuary cities, it'll make it up to the high court, I'm sure. And uh, I'm confident the Supreme Court will make the right decision. All right, 18 minutes after the hour. Let's get a break in, then we'll come back and finish up our conversation. We've got a couple of guests with us right now. Dale Wilcox, Executive Director of Immigration Reform Law Institute, and uh, also with us Tom Holman former director of ICE. It's the Dave Ellswick Show live in Washington, D.C. Hold your feet to the fire. We'll be back in just a moment. We've got a couple of great guests with us right now. Tom Holman is here. He's the former director of ICE. He's given us some time today. Dale Wilcox, executive director of Immigration Reform Law Institute, which is uh, an offshoot of, of FAIR. They work with FAIR in, in uh, litigation, dealing with illegal immigration. And... Uh, Dale, tell me a little bit about this uh, investigation about identity theft. Yeah, sure. Um, well, <laughs> let me give you some background. In 2012, uh, the Obama administration stopped sending out no-match letters. When um, uh, What's a no-match letter? An, an employer um, and, um, sends to the IRS uh, copies of W-2s of their employees and um, the, the IRS will look at that and try to match the name with the Social Security number. And when they don't match, they send a no-match letter to the employer and employee and saying, there's a discrepancy here, okay? Your name doesn't match the social. Um, in 2012, Obama ended that practice. Now, he ended that practice, we believe, uh, days after he instituted the DACA program, okay? 
DACA individuals were going to be shy about coming forward, uh, applying for DACA, if they receive a ma- no-match letter saying, you're committing a federal felony by using uh, stealing someone's identity. So he did away with that. And uh, we have discovered... Because he didn't care that these people were stealing well, other people's identity. he was more interested in, pe- in giving amnesty to illegal aliens under DACA. So... Um, So, so we were curious. Okay, how many no matches have there been from 2012 to 2016? We just uncovered 39 million no matches. So, you know, some of those, a small percentage, can be attributed to maybe a clerical error in the spelling of a name. It didn't match with the social, or a woman got married and didn't change her name with the social security. But uh, the majority of those are due to illegal aliens stealing identities. Um, the Social Security Administration has said in the past that three out of every four illegal aliens uh, has have a uh, stolen or fake Social Security number. This is incredible. That, that's caring more about an illegal than it is about a citizen. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's sad, uh, especially considering children are 51 times more likely to be a victim of identity theft. Um, and the reason being is um, um, if an illegal alien makes up a fake number, um, uh, that number might later be assigned to a child when it's born at a right, hospital. Right. Or they prefer children's numbers because they won't be discovered for many years. You know, it's going to be years before the child seeks credit. And, you know, sadly, when the child goes to get their first car loan or a student loan, they find out they have uh, a, a mortgage, bad credit, criminal history, whatnot, that they have to clean up on their record. Yeah, cleaning up identity theft is never an easy uh, case. Explain to our our listeners how that this can lead to you know audits and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, absolutely, because, see, if your Social Security number is being used by someone unlawfully, they are reporting income. Well, you file your taxes and, re- and legitimately report your income, um, well, the Social Security Administration sees, wait a minute, you didn't report this extra income over here. You're, risk- you're likely to be audited. All right. Last but not least, because we're down to about four minutes here, and I'd like you to get involved in this as, as well, Tom, as, because you were uh, former director of ICE. Uh, we've gotten information now that the illegal alien who has been accused of murdering 20-year-old college student Molly Tibbetts allegedly stole an American citizen's identity in order to appear to be working legally here in the U.S. at an Iowa dairy farm. You know, how, how many, how often do we, did we see this kind of stuff, uh, these kind of people that are coming across our border that are up to no good? This guy evidently, you know, Allegedly, I got to say that word, but it's it's pretty slam dunk case. Uh, you know, just went after this college student and uh, raped her and then killed her. It looks like stabbed her to death. Is is what it's looking like. Uh, and it seems like people in the government don't care. Well, I, you know, after that happened, I did an interview. I did several interviews, and I, my first interview, I, I told her the. Uh, commented I'm, I'm, I'm about sick and tired of talking about it because every time uh, a u.s citizen another angel family's made a uh, family goes through the most tragic thing you can imagine we talk about it for a few days yeah congress talks about a few days and they do nothing congress needs to step up to the plate and pass immigration reform meaningful reform require e-verify e-verify has been around a long time 
Yeah. And and now I've been that, talking about about twelve years. Yeah. In fact, and it, it isn't foolproof. It can be beat. You know, there's certain ways to beat it, but most people don't know how. And bottom line is, it's prevented just for part-time use. It's prevented thousands and thousands of aliens from getting jobs in this country, which is the number one magnet why people come here. So you think Congress would, with death after death after death, say, well, at least we can do it. Verify. That's easy. You know, and, and like I've read paper this morning, they're, they're, now they're pushing back on the wall again. Every place they built the wall, it has worked. I was a Border Patrol agent in San Diego sector in 1984. Thousands come across the soccer fields every night. They built a barrier, numbers went in the toilet. They, they, it worked in El Paso, it worked in um, uh, Arizona, worked in Tucson, it worked in parts of Texas. It, every place they built a barrier, it had an effect on illegal immigration. It's approved 100% effective. Why not build it? Why not put it up? It's one more piece of the puzzle to stop this. And, and you know, these loopholes, that, that, that what reason the families are coming, we can't detain them for 20 days. Well, they're willing to do two weeks in a family center to get released and not never show up in court. The unaccompanied alien children, we have asked Congress for a year and a half. I personally have been up on Hill many times to close these loopholes. There would never have been family separation if they would have closed the floor as loophole. If you want these families to claim asylum, let us hold them long enough to see a judge. The only way you can guarantee that is keeping the center together. Because if not, they get released not to see a judge. So if they would have closed these loopholes, there wouldn't be family separation. If they would take immigration reform seriously and enforce the laws of this country and secure our border, Molly Tibbetts would be alive today. This, and, and I get this question all the time. Well, there's study after study shows U.S. citizens commit more crimes on percentage than illegal aliens. That's not the question. The question is how many crimes could have been prevented if they weren't here to commit them? Yeah. So I, I plead with Congress. you got a president that is, has the right vision. He's trying to do the right thing. He can't do it by himself. And I'm imploring the Republicans on the Hill. There's a lot of them that are wavering. Get on board. Let's get this done. All right. Tom Holman, thank you for your time. Former Director of ICE, Dale, thank you. Dale Wilcox, Executive Director, Immigration Reform Law Institute. Appreciate the time. Although it was short, very informative here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you in this half hour. I'm really excited because you've heard, if you've listened to my show in Little Rock over the last nearly 20 years I've been on uh, here in, in the market, you've heard this gentleman talk many a time. And uh, Robert Spencer is with us today. I call him the Jihad Warrior because he is out trying to dis- to dismantle, educate, and do everything he can for people to understand that Islam is not quote the great religion of peace out there. That there is an there is a dark dark movement within uh, you know Islam that is not a good thing for America. Robert. Great uh, to meet you finally in person, Dave. Yeah, it's and I great. I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Islam is the only religion in the world that has a developed doctrine, theology, and legal system mandating warfare against unbelievers. Yeah, and uh, it's it, very clear. Oh yeah, it's not only that they have the doctrines, but they've acted on them throughout history without any let up, without any reformation, without any rejection of those ideas. And so we're going to be facing the same thing here because of the massive Muslim migration that Obama oversaw, among the Muslims that he brought in will inevitably be some jihadis. Well, check out Dearborn, Michigan. Yes. It's crazy there. Well, you know, there are a lot of people that want to, when they uh, establish a community, they want to establish Islamic law mm-hmm. because Islamic law is considered superior to any human law. Now, so Sharia they don't have law. respect for the law of the land. That's Sharia. That's right. Okay, so up in uh, a good example of how this has gotten out of control, if you go to Minnesota and you go up to St. Paul, Minnesota, 
you got uh, the Somali the Somalis that uh, have kind of grouped up there. You've had two, three, four of them that have gone out and uh, declared war on American citizens. Yeah, you know, I was just on a show earlier today with a host from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm not sure where St. Cloud is in relation to St. Paul, but it's all up there. And uh, there was a, a Muslim in the mall in uh, St. Cloud, the shopping mall, and he went around asking people, are you a Muslim? And if they said no, he was stabbing them. Yeah. And uh, this is something that we'll see much more of. He ended up getting, he got shot by a, just by chance, by a sheriff who was off duty and, and had a, had his gun on. Yeah, lucky for the, the for the rest of the Absolutely. people there. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about uh, concealed carry. Absolutely, yeah. And be able to protect yourself. I see your new books called The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS, uh, not ISIL, ISIS. And, uh, you know, this, this is... I haven't read it yet. I, everything I've read of yours is great. Thank you. All right. But this is uh, the kind of book, although I don't know how many, you know, how many people sit down and really want to read books anymore. I don't know. I got my Kindle, and it's full of books, and yes. I read them constantly. This is the kind of book, though, that people need to read. To yeah. under, you've got to understand your enemy. I couldn't agree more. That's one of the reasons why I wrote it, that people don't know that it's not just, that, you know, if I quoted Quran and told you all the places where it said kill them wherever you find them, people would say, oh, there's bad stuff in the Bible, too, mm-hmm. and things like that. But this book shows that in for 1,400 years, Muslims have waged war against non-Muslims wherever they've gone, from Spain to India and into North America, into Israel, everywhere. And so this is not something that is just a tiny minority of extremists hijacking the religion. This is a constant war for 1,400 years. And, and why is it so hard for people to get their hands around this? People are being lied to on a massive scale. I mean, after all, George W. Bush went into the mosque six days after 9-11, standing in front of a man who was sentenced to 23 years in prison for financing al-Qaeda, and he said, Islam is a religion of peace. Now, Islam never was a religion of peace, and his saying that... He greatly hindered our ability to study the motives and goals of the people who had attacked us on 9-11. And Obama made it even worse. He forbade any mention of Islam and jihad in connection with counter-terror training. Yeah, he did that in 2011. Wow. It's true. I was actually a trainer for five years for the FBI and military groups. I would teach them about the Quran and Muhammad so they would understand the mindset of the terrorists. And I was fired. They they actually, uh, a, a number of Muslim and other organizations wrote to John Brennan demanding that I be fired and that all counter-terror training materials be scrubbed of any mention of Islam. And that's how they remain to this day. That, now, that's a name that makes me get nervous is John <laughs> Brennan. And Did Bush really think it was a religion of peace, or was he just parroting what he was told to say? I know he was told to say it, certainly, probably by those people he was standing in front of, Nihad Awad of CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which is tied to Hamas, and Alamudi, the man I mentioned, who was in prison now for financing al-Qaeda. I remember many people in those days used to say to me, he doesn't really think that. He's just saying that for political calculation, but he's not going to act upon it. The problem is he did act upon it. Yes, he did. And uh, so I think he must have really believed it or been convinced of it. And uh, he should have known better as president of the United States and not allowed this to dictate public policy, but he did. Okay, so Obama's very, you know, uh, how do we put, uh, he didn't have problems with, uh, with Islam and 
and Muslims and whatever. Then comes President Trump. President Trump says you got to call your enemy by your enemy's name. That was a huge. People don't realize how big of a shift that was. It was immense. It was huge. It, it was massive. And remember Hillary Clinton during the campaign said, uh, Muslims are peaceful and tolerant people who have nothing whatsoever to do with terrorism. And uh, Trump was directly challenging that. And he has reiterated it several times. And that's all to the good. His national security strategy talks about Sharia. That's good. But he still hasn't challenged this entrenched bureaucracy that... Obama filled with people who are deeply committed to the idea that we have to pretend that Islam has nothing to do with terrorism. Has it amazed you that CARE has been able to worm their way so readily within our political system? Absolutely. This is a group that the Justice Department has found had ties to Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood yeah. that the FBI announced years ago they were going to stop working with because of those ties, and yet they continued. And they continue to have very close relationships with CARE and other organizations like it that do have ties to Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood is dedicated in its own words, according to a captured internal document, to eliminating and destroying Western civilization from within. So these people are announced as saboteurs, and our intelligence and law enforcement apparatus seems oblivious or heedless to this fact. Well, they think that they can't do it, and that's the biggest mistake that you can make is to underestimate your enemy. There you go. That's and, it. And they and they do it. We did, but we've done that. We did it in World War II with the Japanese. We've done it with the Vietnamese. We've done it with all of our enemies. We think we're so superior, and then we've learned the hard way. Yes, you're absolutely right. And in this case... Uh, not only are we underestimating the enemy, but then on the on the left, they're collaborating with them. And I think they're playing the enemy of my enemy is my friend game. And mm -hmm. uh, they both hate America, so they see this force that has been arrayed against the West for 1,400 years. They figure, oh, there's somebody we can make common cause with. Is is the this really radical left that we're seeing blossom in the Democrat Party now, are they even worse than what we've been dealing with in the past? Yes. They would tell you that Islamophobia is the problem. There's no problem with jihad terrorism. The problem is just with uh, racist, bigoted Islamophobes like you and me who mm. actually would discuss the terror threat. Yeah, and I'm an Islamophobe. I know my enemy. <laughs> we have to be silenced as a result. And, of course, they don't believe in the freedom of speech. And so uh, we could be in for some rough times. All right, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. Make a little bit of money. We'll come back and we'll continue with Robert Spencer. We only got him for the half hour. When we come back, we'll talk about illegal immigration and how all of this ties together. As we broadcast live from Washington, D.C., Robert Spencer is our guest here at Hold Your Feet to the Fire on the Dave Ellswick Show. A break, and then we're back with more. All right, our guest with us here in Washington, D.C. at Hold Your Feet to the Fire. We're at Capitol Hill is uh, Robert Spencer. He is one of the foremost authorities on Islam and on the on jihadists uh, that uh, I know of. I don't know of anybody else that is out there talking to the media as much as he does, uh, you know, educating us about what's going on uh, with these people and, and what they what their their ultimate goal is. And as you heard, you used to work with, what, the FBI? You were trained yeah, the FBI? Yeah, mostly the FBI, but also CIA and military. Uh, went to several military bases, gave them seminars on the Quran and Muhammad. All right. So that you understand 
what their thinking is. Yes. Which is not good. Yeah, Even if sure. you do pay the tax. Look, it's one of the oldest adages of warfare. You have to know the enemy. But yeah. now it's forbidden. All right, so let's talk about how all this works together with uh, immigration. Because there's a lot of illegal immigration going on. Uh, these folks aren't coming over to get jobs. These folks aren't coming over to, to better America. These people are coming over to, uh, to de- try to destroy what That's we've sure. what we've built here in this nation. I mean, it was just recently we had the uh, the big uh, uh, report come out about uh, sleeper cells uh, in the United States, and I, I think that we saw one of those out. Uh, there was a uh, San Bernardino. Yes, I, I think that may have been a sleeper cell. Well, you remember the neighbors there after the couple shot up the christmas party and killed 15 people the neighbors said oh we saw all kinds of suspicious things going on there for months but they didn't want to be islamophobic by reporting that's right yeah they don't they didn't want everybody to speak bad about them let's talk about a story that's just happened here in the last uh, month and a half Uh, out in new mexico we find a uh, uh, a setup with uh, some muslims they've uh, they've got kids that really aren't their kids they're teaching them how to shoot. When uh, the sheriff showed up there, he was met by, I think, a, a six-year-old that was, was carrying a gun. Yes. And they, they said, what are you carrying that gun? Well, we've, they've been teaching us how to shoot and, and kill people. Kill who? Kill our teachers. Mm-hmm. They were training them to be school shooters. Yeah. I yes. mean, and then the judge, like... Duh, you know, I'm going to give you off parole or I'm going to just put you out out there and and, and uh, maybe show up in another six months for, uh, you know, the jury or whatever. I heard that they let them go and then they rearrested them. That's right. Most of the charges were dropped on a technicality. The, pro- the prosecutors were supposed to file all the information within 10 days of the arrests, and they didn't. Now, you got to wonder, these prosecutors, they just were hired. They don't know the rules. Mm, yeah. They know the rules. And you have there's so many fishy things about this. The compound itself was also bulldozed days after the arrests. That I had now, not heard. That's full of evidence. Why yeah. did they destroy it? And uh, the uh, FBI, it came out that they had Siraj Ibn Wahaj, who was the head of the compound. Mm-hmm. They had him on surveillance for 13 years. Obviously not close enough to keep him from uh, amassing weapons and starting to train children to be school shooters. But they were watching him, and I think that's one of the reasons why they're covering everything up now, that they so they clearly dropped the ball on this, and they're trying to cover their tracks. You know, it's just like 9-11, how they dropped the ball. Yes. They didn't tie things together. And I gave them the benefit of the doubt at that time because we had those stupid laws that didn't let the, the CIA and the FBI exchange information and things of that nature. But there was no excuse for this one. That's right. It's, and also, you know, you got to wonder, the head of the compound, his father, is the most prominent and respected yes. imam in the United States. And I do wonder, he's spoken at every major Muslim group, and he obviously raised his son and taught him Islam. And so it makes the whole moderate Muslim establishment, so-called, look bad. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons why it was covered up. Yeah, it's a good possibility. Mm-hmm. But knowing that there was one group like that, at work teaching young people how to be school shooters, how many others are there out there? I mean, United States big country. There could be any number, Dave. We know that at least 10 years ago there were 35 compounds like the one in New Mexico all around the country, always in very rural areas, very far out of the way, police intimidated, scared to go in. 
it's the same pattern. And there were lots of them. They're still there. Intimidated? Yeah, the police were intimidated. I mean, the police are just as militarized as the Army are anymore. Yeah, but even they... Uh, I've had reports from New York, from Texas, various of these compounds. Police don't want to go in. Okay, so let's, let's talk about some other things. So, uh, I had uh, the Sheriff's Association uh, that uh, makes up, like, Texas... Arizona, New Mexico, and and they used to be on my show, and they would talk about how they found prayer books, Muslim prayer books on the border, that they had found uh, prayer rugs, they had found Korans, and there was no doubt in their mind that, uh, you know, jihadists were coming across their border. Yes. But nothing was being done to stymie it. I've heard this myself for years from people who live along the border, and... Uh, we know that just in the last year, 180 na- Bangladeshi nationals have been apprehended trying to cross the border at Laredo, Texas. Now, you got to wonder, Bangladesh is a hotbed of ISIS. Why are they trying to get in across the border? Mm-hmm. I expect that you're talking about sleeper cells. There you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, I heard yesterday, I'm trying to think of who I was talking to, was a Border Patrol agent saying that the United States is aware that Hamas and Hezbollah has camps in Mexico. Yeah, Hezbollah is very active in Mexico. They're working with the drug cartels, and they're teaching them to behead. A number of Mexican politicians have been beheaded if they go up against the drug cartels. And the drugs, the drug lords, of course, they learned all this from Hezbollah. Okay, so the Zetas are getting their, their, their uh, direction from Hezbollah. Yes. Or Hezbollah. You know, and, and when you think of that, you have to understand where does... Where does uh, Hezbollah get their their money and, and whatever to do what they do? It comes directly out of Iran. Yes, it does. They're a wholly owned and operated subsidiary of Iran. They're not an independent group. And so if you see Hezbollah doing something, it's Iran. Right, do we have a suicide, you know, mentality in this country? It does country? seem to be, yeah. I mean, There's we're so asking this. for this, yes. are we not? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's as if some sort of madness has descended upon the people who have sworn to protect us. I mean, when I hear a car drove into a crowd of people or I hear somebody opened up fire at a mall, mm-hmm. first thing I think is it's got to be a Muslim. And it often is because ISIS has issued calls for uh, Muslims in the United States to target civilians in that way drive cars into crowds and go on stabbing sprees, all the things that we've seen. Okay, so Robert, you tell us now, my listeners, how do we protect ourselves? What do we have to do to protect ourselves here in this country? We need to call upon American Muslim groups to renounce, and not just in words, but to, to renounce the aspects of Islam that are incompatible with American laws, to institute programs that are honest, transparent, and inspectable, to teach young Muslims why they should reject ISIS and al-Qaeda and that understanding of Islam, to teach peaceful coexistence with unbelievers as equals on an indefinite basis without trying to impose Sharia. Uh, We need to reconfigure our international alliances and the sham alliances with Pakistan and Turkey, strengthen our alliances with states like India and Israel that are facing the same jihad that we are. Uh, The main thing we need to do is speak honestly about the motives and goals of the jihadis. We are uh, constantly told that they're not really what they are, 
and we have this unreality about them on which policies have been based. And that has to end, or we're going to continue to follow these false policies, and it's going to keep on failing. In Arkansas, in the last general session two years ago, some people tried to pass some legislation uh, about uh, Sharia law not allowing it to get a foothold in our state. The governor said that that wasn't necessary, that uh, didn't need to do it because uh, nobody had raised the specter of it. My question is, do you have to wait till they raise the specter of it before you take some you know, movement to make sure that it just doesn't happen? I think the governor was wrong. Uh, the, there's no doubt that some Muslims believe in Sharia, many in fact, and that they believe that it's the, not only the perfect law for society, but superior to any other laws. And so if it's not been a problem so far, that doesn't mean it never will be. The uh, fact is that Muslims have tried to impose Sharia wherever they've gone in the, in, in the history of the world. Why do we think we're going to be different? Now, take a look at England. Take a look at France. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a look at, at Germany. France especially has had problems with this because, you know, that they were their Hispanics, the Muslims. You know, how they brought them over from their from the countries to, to do the jobs that nobody else, quote, wanted to do. Uh-huh. And now they've got no-go zones and everything in yes. their cities. And they're mostly on welfare, too, because the Quran teaches that uh, Muslims have to fight the, the people of the book, mostly Jews and Christians, until they pay this tax and submit to Muslim rule. And so uh, out of that comes the idea that many Muslims hold that non-Muslims owe them their upkeep and that they have to pay them. And so a lot of these migrants, especially in Europe, they've arrived, and then they immediately go on welfare. They have no intention of working. It's the non-Muslims' job to pay for their upkeep. All right. Robert Spencer, don't have any more time today. That's our loss. I appreciate you coming by. It's great to meet you. I've never met you before. Seriously, don't forget about the new book, The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS, written by Robert Spencer. Get a copy of it. Read it. No your enemy. Let's take a break. We come back. We got Diamond and Silk coming up next hour, as well as uh, Sabine Durden uh, from Arkansas, who lost a son. In fact, I just saw her walk around the corner. She's ready to go next on the Dave Ellswick show. Uh, two houses away. All right. Let's take a. Let's get into this uh, last hour. We got a great last hour for you. Uh, Subpoena uh, Durden is going to be with us. She's with Advocates for Victims of Illegal Alien Crime. She has her own group called DomHugs.org, and I'll let let her tell you about that in just a a moment. We were just talking about Jamil Shaw, uh, a man I met here two years ago whose son had a full-ride college football scholarship, had his whole career in front of him and looked like he was going to be an NFL player. Yeah. He had all the talent in the world and he was walking down the street in front of his home. He's like two blocks away in some illegal that they had just kicked out of, uh, out of jail because they didn't want to keep him in jail. Uh, saw him. It was a black, uh, he was a, a black kid. He hated blacks. And he just shot him dead in the, on, the, on the street, ended up sending him back to prison. I mean, this is insanity that what goes on here in our country. And the reason I bring up Jamal is because, uh, you know, Sabina had a, a son. She had a son, uh, you know, probably love of her life. Absolutely. And uh, uh, an, an illegal immigrant 
who uh, was driving a car inebriated. Now, check this out, all right? I'm, it's just not because he's a drunk driver. Here, here's what was going on. He had two felonies, armed robbery and grand theft, had been deported once before. He returned to the United States and uh, was caught. And uh, he was caught drunk driving without a license, registration, or in- insurance. Received probation. Thank you. Okay, he, re- he was a felon, folks. He was a murderer, and they allowed him probation. And uh, while on probation, her son's killer was caught once again drunk driving and was once again given probation. And while on this probation, for a third time, he drove drunk again and killed your son. Absolutely, yeah. He, uh, he was only charged with a misdemeanor and served 35 days in jail. Yeah. 35 days for killing an American with a record like that and being here illegally. And it was a misdemeanor without gross negligence. Yeah, and, and, and here's here's the ironic thing about all of this. You're a legal immigrant. Yes, I am. I came from Germany with uh, Dominic Stad, my former uh, husband. Uh, he was in the Army. We came to the United States when Dominic was 10 years old. And it took me uh, uh, six years to become a citizen. I also proudly carried and had to carry a a resident alien card. Uh And I wasn't upset about that. It was another step to my citizenship because I I appreciate this country. I wanted to, to be here, and that was the right way to do it. And I always taught Dominic to follow the law and do right. And no matter, even if it takes a little longer, it's a little harder, you do the right thing. And I was very proud to to raise an incredible young man like Dominic was. How old was he? He was thirty. Thirty years old. Thirty years old. No, no family. He wasn't married. No kids. So I'll never be a grandmother. I'll never be a the cool mother-in-law riding a motorcycle, (laughs) (laughs) strapping the grandbaby on the back. Right. None of that ever will happen. And Dominic was such an amazing man. He he did so much for the community. He was a volunteer firefighter. He worked for 911 Dispatch Center in Riverside, California. Uh, He was awarded Volunteer of the Year in Moreno Valley because he was always there to help and to be taken out by an illegal who had no regards for our laws and didn't care and in court didn't even apologize he told the judge uh, God gives life God takes life and I was only on my way to work that, that was it and the judge no remorse no nothing nothing and that's sadly the case in, in, in a lot of these cases there's no remorse they feel almost burdened by why, why am I sitting here at the accident scene waiting for a cop to put me in a, in a cruiser? That's the attitude he had at the accident scene, I was told. Wow. Um, the saddest part is when Dominic was killed on July 12, 2012, and I didn't know it was an illegal at first. My world crashed. My heart broke. That was We shared a house for 10 years after mm-hmm. his dad and I divorced. We're roommates and best friends, and he was a mama's boy. He always told everybody he was proud of that. We had a great relationship. And to have a DA who you trust now because you can't even think straight. I didn't even know my name anymore. Tell me I shouldn't go to trial and they got my back and let's go just to a hearing. It will be much better. They were covering up for this guy because they had him in their courtroom before. And then the judge telling me 
in my face. If I would have known more about this case, I would have given him a year. Yes. Wow, a year for killing somebody. Yes, a whole year. And I sat there and I'm thinking, you are the judge. You you don't have to honor the But he told me he gave his word to this felon illegal, and he's going to honor that. And the guy walked out 35 days later. Well, thank God, I woke up in the meantime. I became very loud. And um, I, I received a call from a detention center from an ICE agent who got tired of seeing them in their revolving door. Right. And he called me and told me, he said, you need to come up here and come every week if you can. Make sure you you, you noticed because they will let him out the back door. Mm. So my fiancé and I, Anthony, uh, we sat in that detention center every week for a couple hours just so they knew I wasn't playing around. And he was deported a year and a half later. And he's back. I'm going to see him again in the news. I know it. He's going to do the same thing. Well, he's already been deported once yeah, and came don't back. Care. And well, drunk driving three times. Listen, Dave. If if you get, <laughs> if you have two felonies, you're illegal, and you get probation on two DUIs. Yeah, I would be arrogant too. Yeah. But no American would get away with that. No, I wouldn't. You you wouldn't. I'd your still be in jail. You absolutely would. And then I would have legal venues to go after you. Well, with this guy. He was supposed to pay $18,000 restitution. I never see a dime. And it's never about the money. It's, it's teaching a lesson. He's, he's, he's probably using a different name. In L.A., you get D, uh, IDs and green cards for $300, plus a driver license for free, and you registered right away. And it's, it's, an, it's a sickness, and it got too much in California. I had to drive by the spot where he took his last breath every day. I was... It, it was killing me, and I didn't even know it, but other people noticed. And Anthony has family in Arkansas, and he had taken me there before and showed me a spot where he would have loved to build a house. And back then I was like, no, nah, that's too rural. Oh, no, thank you. And then it became a dream, and it became reality. So now I'm living in Arkansas, mm-hmm. in Mineral Springs, um, about a year and a half already. I'm picking up y'all and Austin. <laughs> so I'm learning. I'm loving it. I don't miss the hustle and bustle. I right. can't wait to get back there to this beautiful state and with a great senator. I met him the other day. He made a few minutes. He came out of a meeting to give me my yeah, Bozeman, yeah. Bozeman, and I went to see Tom Cobb. Oh, you went and saw so Tom. So I saw okay. both of them. And, and I'm, I'm in a state that... I feel safe. I love it, and I'm going to continue fighting because I'm I'm tired of hearing new names. And while we're talking, somebody's getting killed. So, so let's let's talk about that because gotcha. there's a, a huge contingent of you here yes. at Hold Their Feet to the Fire this year. The Advocates for Victims of Illegal Alien Crime. We always hear from the left about how tough they've got it. You know, the illegals that yeah. come into our country and how we've separated them from it's your horrible. children and, and all the rest. Yeah. You've been separated from your son forever. Yeah, permanent. Yeah, done. It, it's, it's, it's yeah. done now. Yeah. All no right. more memories now. So, you know, why is it here in our country that until President Trump started doing yeah. it, nobody talked about these victims? No, they they would still like to not talk about us from on the left and the mainstream media because they don't want their listeners to know that they could be in our position. 
that it could happen to them anytime. And it's not just about death, it's identity theft, it's, it's, it's uh, human trafficking, it's, it's tax it's fraud, all it. it's everything you can think of. And people right. think they are exempt from it because they didn't lose somebody. They're paying for this. Every American is already paying because all the billions we spend on illegals, yep. it's coming from somewhere. Yeah, it ain't free. No, it sure isn't. <laughs> and I, I want Americans to be off the street. I walk out of the hotel here and I see homeless people. And it breaks my heart because that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have illegals in Section 8 housing while we have veterans out on the street. And um, the the left likes to... and. and I blame both Republicans and Democrats. Of course, it's it's both sides. It's not it's an American issue anyway. If illegal aliens would vote Republican, we would have a hundred feet tall wall with snipers. Uh huh. They wouldn't let any illegals in. But the left likes to claim that you know they picking our fruit, cleaning out. No, no, that's just a small percentage of it. The main thing is they are here illegally. I don't care why. I don't care where from. I don't care what color they are. I'm equal opportunity. If you are here illegally, you got to get out. Okay. I'm tired of it. I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of companies using that cheap labor yep. to boost up their profits. I'm tired of some using them for voters. Because in California, you get your license as an illegal and you automatically registered to vote. Well, mm-hmm. we know how they're going to vote because they get a... The cross and you sign right there. Yeah. Um, then they come up with, well, illegals commit less crimes than Americans. Well, okay, but one is too many. So it should be zero crime by illegals, pretty much. I just had Tom Holland well, a little bit ago. He used to be the director yeah, of ICE. He's a good friend of mine. Is he? Yes. And he made the statement. He says, that's, that's a non-starter with him. Yeah. Because he said the bottom line is the crime wouldn't happen at all if they That's weren't right. here. Exactly. My son would still be like, but you know what I hear on social media? Well, he could have been killed by an American. Okay, you're right. He could have been, but he wasn't. So now where are we going to go with this? I would rather I would rather take that chance. He could have been killed yeah. by an American. Oh, Dave, I get Is that I get supposed it. to assuage your, yeah. your, your yeah, heart? She, oh, okay, now I'm going to shut up and go away. Yeah, I, I mean, get called racist. I mean, it was half black. Yes, I get called racist. I'm from Germany, came over here. I must be a Nazi. Uh, I mean, I hear it all. I get the biggest insults. And people think that that would stop me. They have no idea who they're dealing with. Because I had the biggest loss of my life. You can't hurt me anymore. You can take everything from me. Uh-huh. I'm already in the hurt department. I'm already where where nobody wants to go. So when they attack me and call me names and, and send me nasty messages like, I'm glad your end son is dead because now he's skinny and white. I'm, yes, I'm t- <laughs> I see your face, but that's what I get to hear. Oh, my God. And some of the things I can't even repeat. And I tell them, I even respond sometimes, do you really think you're going to stop me? Now I'm getting louder. Now I'm getting more intense. I will never raise my voice. I will never talk nasty. But you're giving me strength. Are you Are you aware of what's going on in, in Little Rock with their wanting to have been talking uh, out there about having a ID card for the city? You know as well as yeah. I know 
that that means sanctuary city. Absolutely. They just put it in a little different package and put a different color bow yeah. on it. But it's yeah. the same thing. They call them welcome cities. Yeah. Because we, we are hip now to the sanctuary city. So now it's a welcome city. And it's I'm I'm surprised how many people are still whispering about this. They need to be irate because money that goes to the illegals is not going to American citizens. That's exactly anymore. right. I on on social media I get a lot of personal messages from people that had experiences with illegals and they don't want to go public, but they feel I speak for them, and they tell me that one lady was twenty dollars over the limit. She couldn't get food stamps. But we know who get food stamps. Sure. We know who gets Section 8 housing. We, free college, California University. Shoot. I told one Democratic senator that I'm close to going back to Germany, where I came from, denounce my American citizenship, come back here illegally, and live large. And it's not fair, and it has to stop. We, yeah. we can't continue that. And people sit in their homes, lock their doors, to keep their family safe. They want walls to be built so that the traffic noise from the freeway wouldn't affect them. But to build a wall to keep out who knows what, they they all of a sudden all upset about it. And it, 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 it just has to stop and people gotta realize it, it could they they could be the next one, the next Molly, mm-hmm. the next Dominic, the next Jamil. Yeah. You know, and then and, and every time I hear of a new victim, it, it Tears off that little scab that I built on my broken heart. I had it's uh, all over. Had a border patrol uh, person on yesterday, yeah. and uh, we were talking. He, he works in San Diego, and of course, California with Governor Moonbeam has become a sanctuary state. Uh, they said that uh, they pulled over a drunk driver one time mm-hmm. and called the sheriff and asked to come get him, and they wouldn't come and get him. Let him go. That's what they told him. Yeah. Let him go. He's this, this guy was totally inebriated. They had to give him his car keys back and let him drive down the road again. Now, live with that as a law enforcement officer because you know something might happen and sure. then you were part of It's horrible what, what they not only put on law enforcement but on on us. Yeah. And I, I love President Trump. I love him for giving Dominic a voice. Uh, I, I love him for he actually saved my life because I was com- I was com- contemplating suicide until I heard him speak about illegal immigration when he's when he announced his running for president. Now your group met with him, did you not? Yes, I, well I met with him a few times. Okay, I was at the White House and the Oval Office. I got to go meet him there, uh, June twenty second. Uh, it, w- it was incredible, and he stands with us. He remembered. I'm I'm called Dom's mom by the president. That's an honor, and my knees still shake when I think of it, and, and I'm so grateful for him bringing this to the forefront, and we need to get behind him, and, and all sides just get together for, for the love of this country, and you have to love your your countrymen and, and your family more than you disagree or don't like President Trump. Right. It, it has to be that. Sabrina, let's, Sabine, let's, let's hold up and we'll take a break and then we'll come back and talk some more. Let's talk about domhugs.org and let's talk about uh, the Advocates for Victims of Illegal Alien Crime. They both have websites. we got to get that information to our listeners, but we need to get a break first. So let's do that. We've got more coming your way from D.C. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Here we go. All right, more coming up on the Run Our Kids Show. 
All right, we have a fellow Arkansan with us here on the Dave Elzik Show. Uh, to be honest, wish she wasn't here. Yeah, I, w- I wish right. I wouldn't even know yes. about this event. Her, the reason she's here is because she's with AVIAC. That's Advocates for Victims of Illegal Alien Crime. Her son was taken from her a few years back. He was 30 years old, and his life was cut short. A three-time drunk driver, a felon, uh, a deportee who came back here to the United States it's, and, only, and only did... 35 days. 35 days. In in prison. Okay. So, again, uh, let's talk about, first of all, domhugs.org. That is your personal. That's my personal. It's it's um, in honor of Dominic, and I share pictures. I share of my trips that I take my when I go to Senate hearings or I go to to the Hill and try to lobby and, and talk to senators on either side. And so I share and I um, people can go there and get news and it's just it's a support side and I have other angel parents come there and just read and, and I don't talk. have a lot of time. I gotta ask That's you. okay. Have you, ever, have you ever met Schumer? <laughs> no. Okay. I just was wondering. No, they're running. Ever. Most Democratic senators have. They don't want to meet. No, they don't want to meet, and they send somebody from their staff. Oh, it's okay. Really, but I got picked out of Kamala Harris's office. She, uh, her staff threatened to call uh, Capitol Police on me because I asked why they would have a sign in Spanish outside to welcome Dreamers. This is a government building. I'm paying for some right. of this, and they they had almost had me arrested. Good for you. Oh yes, yes, yes. And don't forget about AVIAC. Go to aviac.us. That's A-V-I-A-C.us. And don't forget about Dom Hugs. That's D-O-M-H-U-G-S at O-R-G. I'll send this stuff to uh, Elizabeth. We'll post it for you. Uh, visit at the sites and and, 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 and you want to say we got 15 seconds. Yeah, I want to say hi to Tim Ling, a wonderful friend that I met in Arkansas and to all the Arkansans that, that accepted me and welcomed me so so warmly and I love it there and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Alright, here's the news. All right, back with you. Final half hour of the show today, a Thursday edition. Tomorrow, Shane Stacks will be in for me to uh, talk about uh, or take care of the show tomorrow. He'll be hosting it tomorrow. He's got uh, several different politicians coming on, as well as uh, a little geek squad kind of stuff for you as well. Uh, we're waiting for our next guest to show up. He'll be here in just a moment. Diamond and Silk are going to be with us here on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. Was, uh, I was told that they were going to be uh, available. I asked that they join. They're just finishing up. Looks like they're with uh, Congressman King from Iowa as well, uh, across the way from us. So uh, Congressman King, one of the fearless, and I do mean fearless, uh, fighters about illegal immigration. He has taken slings and arrows, to, to say the least, on what uh, what's going on. But here they come. They are, they are here. That's all right. Everybody everybody wants pictures with diamond and silk, man. I mean, come on. We know about that. 
How are all of you doing? Oh, it's doing magnificent. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Yes. Are we on live? We are live. Oh. You're talking to Little Rock. You were on on my show. Little Rock, Arkansas. I love it. Hey, Little Rock. Hey, Little Rock. Little Rock. (laughs) I just got to start off by saying, can, can anything else happen to President Trump? You know I mean, what? He's stuff. such a tenacious guy. He he don't waver. He don't back down. And he takes so much income. And, yeah. and you know, he don't have to do it. Right. Because he could have stayed in his lifestyle, his billionaire lifestyle. Yeah. But he got out of that lifestyle. He's not even getting paid for this. He gives his money away right. every right. month yes. to work for the American people. And shame on the left-wing media and these media outlets. Yeah. got to demean him and disparage him. Shame on him. And that. look at his strength. His strength should be what America want to embody. Right. Look at his strength on how he stays uh, persevering through all of the mess right. that's going on. He continued the course. That's because he's a businessman and he's about taking care of business no matter what. That's right. I mean, here just this last two days, we've got Woodward's book that comes out. Yeah. And then right on the heels of that, you get the New York Times, which hates President Trump. Right. And we're supposed to just take for freedom that this is some person that's in his administration. Okay, but you have to understand this is merely distractions and deflections. That's right. They want to distract, they want to disflect to run their narrative. Uh-huh. And they do that because he's winning. See, they don't stop losers, but they will stop and care to assassinate a winner. That's right. And you have to understand they only smear who they fear. They smear him because they fear him. That's right. They do. I love you guys. <laughs> oh, we love you more. I Thank love you. This. This, is, this is great to have you here with us today. What do you think about the Kavanaugh hearings that are going on right now? You know, it is so sad to see the left. They talk about transparency, mm. yet they don't provide transparency. Look at Cory Booker. You know, we've been doing interviews all day, so we've been in and out. And I heard that he released some documents, cause some confidential, I don't even know, was it classified information? How dare you? How, how dare you do something There's like that? There's more to that story. There's always more to that story. You guys haven't heard yet. We have because we've been in interviews all day. Okay, what so happened? Here, here's what happened. What happened? You know, he stood up and said, "I'm going to do this. I know I'm not supposed to do this because I'm going to be I'm going to be Spartacus." And if the, if I'm got to tell you, if the Republicans had been smart, each one of them would have stood up and said, "I am Spartacus." And just and just relived the movie with Kirk Douglas, of okay. course. But the bottom line is is that he knew from last night that those uh, emails were going to be released today at four o'clock. They were mm-hmm. released at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. He wasn't breaking any rules per se. Oh, he, he just wanted some hype. There you go. That's so, oh, so, they, so what are they trying to get media attention? That's right. Uh, well, he, some attention. he wants to be president. Oh, president of what? Of what? Uh, the uh, the, the Roach Mattel? Uh, yes. Please. Uh-huh. He's not going to be president of the United States. No, yeah, no, he listen, wants to run for him. Listen, Cory Booker, uh, listen, uh-uh, absolutely not. And then if you look at how the Democrats have been acting, just look at how they have been acting, treating this president, treating this country, treating American citizens. Right. Because their choice is illegal aliens. Just look at how they've demonstrated their actions. That's how they want America. 
They want it destructive. They want it messed up. They want us divisive, fighting, arguing, and fussing. That's exactly what they want. That's why they push resist so that America could no longer exist. Uh-huh. That's what they want. But America is going to continue to persist uh-huh. while they resist. That's right. That's what we're going to continue to do. That's right. I just had a woman on, uh, Sabina uh, Durden, who's from Arkansas. Her uh, her son was killed in California back in 2012 by a, a drunk driver, a three-time drunk driver, a felony drunk driver, a, uh, uh, a deported drunk driver who came back into the United States, an illegal uh, immigrant. Illegal alien. Yeah, who, kill, who killed, uh, killed her son. And then... Because it all went down in California. You know how much time he spent in jail? How much? 35 days. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. And what's terrible is when you have people like Senator Elizabeth Warren, who. Pocahontas. Pocahontas, who dismiss uh, the actions of illegal aliens killing mm-hmm. Americans, where they're per- permanently are going to be separated yes. from, from their, their families. families. Yes. But then they advocate for illegal aliens because when they cross the border, they're, they're committing a crime. That's the first crime. That's right. They advocate for their babies. And, and I just, I don't get it. I, I think that all America, and I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, should look at this here. Do we really want these people running our country and running it into the ground? Do we really want open borders to drive down our wages? Where people just come in, it drives down our wages. It keeps Americans from obtaining the American dream. I want you to come in here and come in here the right way. Get in line and wait your turn. And the wall is going to have to go up. We're going to have to put something up to so people know you just can't walk over our borders and commit crimes like that. That's right. That's right. Because if an American citizen commit a crime right now, you as an American citizen, Dave, you commit a crime right now. They're going to give you three hots and a cot behind a locked cell block after you've taken your mug shot. That's right. And your babies, your kids, if you have any grandkids, they will not be able to share your same cell block. That's right. It's going to be separation, baby. They're going to send your children to foster care. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is what they're going to do. So how is it that we have these immigration laws that is here in America and we allowing them to break them. That's right. That's right. And then I hear them complain about, oh, where well, they're ripping babies from the breasts of mothers at the borders. Mm-hmm. Well, what Which about, never happened. But, but here's the deal. You talk about ripping babies away. What about Planned Parenthood? How they rip the babies from the womb? Mm-hmm. You got what I'm talking about? You ain't saying nothing I'm about that. You. you keep talking about, oh, we have to abolish ICE. Well, you didn't want to abolish slavery. This That's is the right. same party that didn't want to abolish slavery, but you want to abolish. See, they don't want law and order. They want chaos. Chaos. And these are the people that we're going to have to vote out. We can't have a country in chaos. That's we right. have to have law and order, and we have to follow the law. That's right. And you have, you know, Diamond and I, we're going to be featured in a movie called Dummy Crass. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, really, when is baby? this going to happen? It's going to, be, it's going to be premiering October the 15th. So you can go to dummycrassthemovie.com. That's dummycrassthemovie.com. Put in your email address so you can stay updated and informed. And it's going to be premiering October the 15th. But see, you know, with our president, he is draining the swamp. Diamond and Silk, we are going to be exposing the swamp. We're going to be exposing the hypocrisy that's going on from the left to the Democrats. Letting un- people understand and know how these individuals are not concerned about you. If you look at Democrat-ran cities, all you see is what? Crime. 
poverty. If we see American citizens living in tents, babies unable to get any type of running water. You have, and we just left San Francisco, California. Oh my God. Nancy Pelosi district. And we now understand why she walks in stilettos. That's right. Because she don't want to step in all of that. Beep. Okay. So this is why you have individuals defecating there in the streets. And they sitting there banning, want to ban plastic straws. They're giving out plastic syringes for people to continue to do drugs. They want to make sure that America is as high out of their mind while they stab you in the back from behind. Right. This is just a big setup that the Democrat parties have been running off of. And now black people are woke. That's right. We are woke now. And paying attention. And paying attention. And that's why they are so concerned about and advocating for illegal aliens because they want to make them the new slave. That's right. You know, I... I I'm glad that you brought this up about uh, the people that are defecating in the streets. Oh, yes. You, yes. Know, you know that they started, I'm, I'm serious, Come on, they guys. started a brand new department for the city of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Of peop- their job is to go out with hoses yeah. mm-hmm. and hose down the streets. Uh-huh. I think, they, what, are they being paid $185,000 a year, a year to do but that? But they are too dumb. See, that's why we got dumb Dummy crass. Crass, that's the right. The Democrats are too dumb. Nancy Pelosi is too dumb to put a porta party there right there for the people to be able to use the bathroom when they have to use the bathroom. Well, how about helping Americans get off the street that's and not right. just give them, give, them, give them ways to do more drugs yeah. so they can be out of their mind? That's right. If you treat them like animals, they're going to act, act like, like animals. animals. And that's exactly what they are doing. They don't care about the American people. They over there advocating for illegal aliens to continue to come into this country and break our laws. That's right. Got to get a break. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, finish up our time with Diamond and Silk. I am so lucky to have you, Jim. Yeah, we're lucky to be here. This is the final half hour of my show today, and what a great way to end the show. We'll be back with more in just a moment. All right. All right, Lynette Hard- uh, Hardaway, correct? Hardaway, yeah. And then uh, Rochelle Richardson are with us. You know them better as Diamond and Silk. You've seen them on Fox, I'm sure. You've seen them uh, at some of the, the Trump uh, events that have been going on. Uh, did you ever expect that this might happen? No. 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 Absolutely not. You when know, did it? When did it catch on fire? Well, okay, it, I, we, I don't even realize it because it was like we were speaking what we felt. Yes, we absolutely love. He was candidate Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. We love what he stood for when he talked about the border and bringing jobs back. So we don't know how it grew. We just know. We loved him, and we took up for him. We didn't waver nor back down. If you ever want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Mm. We had no plans for this. We didn't know we were going to become famous or any of that. I'm yes. so humble. I can't even, I can't perceive the hugeness <laughs> of it. I yeah. can't grasp it yeah. because I'm so humble we, by it all. We was cleverly, God cleverly designed us for such a time as this to the point that we don't even know. We, we can't, can't see it. Tell you. We, yeah, we don't we even don't know. know. How long have you each have you known each other? We were had, sisters. We're, we're blood sisters, sisters all Are of our you life. really? Yeah. I didn't know From that. Ten months apart. Yes. yes. Uh huh. I did not know that. Yes. You got such great. I should have known. I mean, you finish each other's sentences. In okay, pain. that's the sister then. That's yeah. The, yeah. They, they call through. us what? Uh, Irish twins <laughs> because we're 10 months apart. <laughs> right. So wow. that's probably what it is. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, and yeah. we didn't even know we had whatever everybody was talking about. Uh, we just had a passion. Right. 
about wanting our country to be great again. And what President Trump was talking about then, it made sense. And if you look at it, look at black unemployment at an all-time low. Mm -hmm. Home ownership at an all-time high. Look at the economy, how it's booming. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at how he want to give people a second chance. I mean, just look at that. We are... This is what we voted for. That's right. We voted for a man that's going to work for the American people. Not the elitists, not Hollywood, not the media, but the American people. All American people. All Americans. It's not about skin color. And that's what a lot of, especially especially our black, so-called black leaders have made it all about. And then the Democrats. They've made it about race because they know that if you can, they can keep you divided by race and keep you separated in a separate box. Right. They, it's easy to control you when you're divided. Right. They know that. But President Donald J. Trump has made this thing about all Americans, all Americans. no matter the color of your skin. So it's time for people to look past their skin color and be part of the American dream. That's to do right. what Dr. King said all along. Amen to that. That's That's right. right. And here's the thing. When we see them play the race card, we have to continue to play the Trump card. That's right. So that we can win, 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 baby. That's right. That's what we're going to have to do. Yeah. That's right. All right. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about. Yesterday, the big tech companies were Mm -hmm. at the Senate, and uh, they were testifying about how they're not really trying to do what they're doing. Oh. Didn't you love the, the CEO of Twitter? Here's what he tried to get us to believe, all right? Mm-hmm. We're not ideological with people. We don't we don't try to do that. It's not our intention. It's our algorithm. Well, who wrote who the wrote algorithm? Who wrote the algorithm? That's right. They wrote the algorithm. They mm-hmm. knew what their algorithm was going Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. They won't right. even let people see their algorithms. That's right. And what they're doing is shadow banning and plead people where your fans and your followers don't see your content. Well, they came after you all, didn't I, well, they? It was Facebook that came after us. We're being shadow banned on Twitter. On Facebook, they're censoring our voices. Now, they won't let our people see our content, share our content, view our content. I mean, it's just like that. We have 1.7 million followers and fans on That's Facebook, right. and they won't let them see that. They're censoring our conservative voices. Not only that, we built that platform one person at a time. I remember yeah. we didn't have no more than three or four people on that Facebook page. Uh-huh. Now it's 1.7 million people, but they won't let them see our content. But guess what Facebook do? Facebook take those same people and advertise around oh, them. Oh, yeah. So uh-huh. is that fair? So you see the trickery and the hypocrisy. They even told us the other day, if you use the word Trump mm-hmm. and you're about to advertise, you're going to have to fill out some paperwork. Authorize yourself to make sure you're not a Russia bot. Now, you know we don't speak Russia. We English. <laughs> we, we don't speak English. Like no Russia. Uh-huh. And I get tired of them talking about Russia influence the election on these platforms. They they created strife. Here's the deal. How will we know? How we know? We speak English, not Russia. That's we right. wouldn't know what they were saying if they were talking to us. You see what I'm talking about you see the hypocrisy yeah. the All only russia we know is that russian dressing that we put on our corned beef sandwich That's and right. i had an irish corned beef sandwich today That's it was right. so good and you the see the only interference about? in the election is these big tech companies uh-huh. whenever they silence uh, and censor conservative voices what they're doing is interfering in this election That's right. they know in 2016 president donald j trump he won this by we the people through social media That's right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how right. he did this right here. And that's why they want to take and silence our voice. That's but right. you know what? Where one door closed, a big old window will open, <laughs> and no man can shut no it. No man. Not even Mark Zuckerberg. That's right. There that's right. Go. And see, we have to keep them. They're going to have to stop discriminating against us based on the color of our politics. That's right. We can vote for whoever we want. And if we're patriotic, believe in God, believe in our country, stand for our flag. That's right. We're going to be heard. Our voices are going to be heard. Or 
you know what? I'm not for big government, but somebody's going to have to step in because these people are trying to create dictatorship and tyranny around the world. Mm -hmm. They have the capability of trying to control the whole world, and we can't let that happen. And this is what we call a political lynching. That's what it is. They're not lynching you with a noose. But they are lynching you with these algorithms uh-huh. by choking out your platform yeah. and pulling the rug from underneath you. That's exactly what they're doing. And that's not fair. All right. Diamond and silk. I, I can't follow it up. I'm just, <laughs> let, I let them do their thing. Thank By you. the way, my, uh, my female panel, uh, panels that I have mm-hmm. have all said, say hi to them. They loved having you Hello, on the panel. show. Hey, everybody. It was amazing being on the show, and we love y'all so much. You all keep praying for us. Pray for our country. Pray for our president and make sure during these congressional races, go vote, go vote, vote right so that you won't get left. It's important. It's important. I like that. That's right. Vote right so you you won't get left. left. Yes. I love that. All right. (laughs) Ladies, thank you so much. I appreciate your time here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and Little Rock loves you. Thank Thank you you for for having us. us. All right. Bye-bye now. All right, that wraps it up here from Washington, D.C. What a way to end it, huh? We started it off with a with a bang when we talked to the uh, border guards down there on San Diego. Uh, you heard about the uh, them pulling over a drunk driver, called up the sheriff's department, said, come on out and get him. And he said, no, we're sanctuary state. We can't do that anymore. And so uh, they gave the keys back to a drunk driver and had to let him go down the road. And then we end up with diamond and silk. All right, remember, God gave you a whole week of life. The least that you can do is uh, give him one day to thank him for what he's done for you and to hear what he might have to say to you. Yeah, I'm one of those uh, Christian supremacists, just like uh, Mike Pence. All right, we will take a break. I'll see you again Monday at 2 o'clock. Shane Stacks is on uh, tomorrow. You'll fill in for me. You have a great uh, weekend. I'll see you on Monday. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 